You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carlos Devings, Matt Smith and Neville Bounds. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 260 of the Plain Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and joining me as always in the PTUK studios this week is my co-host Matt Smith. Uh, well, hello everyone. Greetings, Matt. How are you? All right, yeah. I had a, I had a nice surprise when I uh, came into the, uh, the, the, the Smith Manor this evening. Right. He sits here nervous with bated breath. There was a cup of coffee waiting for me. Well, in my defence, it's because you said you were going to be here at six o'clock and then somebody fell asleep on the sofa yeah, this I know, afternoon. I know. Uh, and they didn't make it for six o'clock because I had they were busy, having an afternoon nap. I had a busy nap. day. Yeah, I had an yeah. afternoon nap. <laughs> See, a senior moment nap, that was. But, was um, it? That was okay. very nice. Yeah. And also joining us this week, as always, uh, in his uh, stately mansion in Buckinghamshire is, of course, Neville Bass. Yes, hello folks. Um, been a bit of a week here. The uh, the computer's been playing up something rotten and uh, uh, hardly, um, well, it's unbelievable to me, for me to say it, even, but it's a, yes, a Mac computer. It's what? reformat <laughs> the hard drive. And uh, that was extremely painful because, of course, all the nice plugins and bits and stuff that you use, that's a reinstall so that was that was last sunday taken care of and it's still not quite back to normal yet but uh, we're, we're getting there so uh, yes quite a, sorry quite, to quite a few days that's all right so apologies this week from Armando. He uh, is uh, he's got a good excuse. He's got a very yeah. good excuse. Yeah, Armando uh, has currently got a headache. Know, I think <laughs> he will do tomorrow. <laughs> he is uh, currently celebrating his retirement uh, uh, party at uh, his base, and uh, where I've been uh, spent most of today with him on the base. He gave us a very nice tour. Uh, me, Jammer, and my father had a very good tour of uh, RAF Mildenhall. Uh, here, uh, which is uh, not too far from us, and um, after that we had uh, lots of burgers, lots of hot dogs, and uh, then it moved on to beer, which I must say I didn't have any of, only one pint because I was driving. Uh, but Armando has uh, obviously um, drunk various um, bottles of beer and uh, glasses of beer, so he won't be joining us this evening. But it's safe to say Armando is having a very, very nice day indeed. And uh, I have to say, Matt, you should have seen his cake. He had a huge really? cake, well, which was made for him. I'm rather partial to cake. For, the, uh, for his retirement. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he, uh, well, it, it's, it's, he really pulled out all the stops for, for us today. He, he gave yeah, us a fantastic some great photos, tour of the, uh, of the base. Yeah. Um, Matt's got a few of those. We'll yeah, I'll, I'll show you some pictures later on, actually. Yeah. Uh, before we move on, I should just say uh, we're having some messages from a few people who are watching the show. And I'm delighted to say that uh, Myla is currently watching the show. Uh, she's got a feet up look. We're on the telly. And she's got the chat room oh, in front we're on of the her. Telly. There we go. Oh, I like see. that. Yeah, Hello to you, Myla. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, someone else we need to introduce, Yes, of yeah. we have got an incredibly special guest Actual with us royalty. on the show. Actual royalty on the show this week. He, he knows what it's like to retire. He Well, he is someone <laughs> Twice, who, in fact. Who, <laughs> who very soon, and I'm sure he'll tell everyone exactly how long he's got, but it's someone who will be retiring soon from the airlines. So it's our pleasure to welcome onto the show Captain Nick. 
Well, how lovely to be back with you guys. Absolute pleasure. And thank you very much indeed for inviting me. Uh, I'm going to ask the, the obvious question now. Uh, I know you mentioned it. How's the it. back? Oh, yeah. well, no, 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 no. We're not mentioning that. Okay. Uh, I, I, can say, I, I know you mentioned it on virtual. I can say this is what I was going to ask you. <laughs> Absolutely every single time you're on the show, look, uh, how many days is it till you retire? And it's now showing on your phone 77 days, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. 77 days. 77. Till and I've, I've just had my roster for... Uh, next month, I've only got two trips. Can you believe it? So uh, if I get fit enough uh, for the Washington I have at the end of this month, have true two trips next month, I'll probably get two trips in May, uh, and that'll be it. So wow. five trips to go. Wow. Uh, you, you, yeah. you sound sort of excited. Uh, <laughs> well, put it this way: if if you said, uh, "Oh, you don't have to bother with those five trips, Nick. You can just put your feet up," I'd go, "Ah, oh, isn't that nice?" That's yeah, kind of... <laughs> yeah. But instead, you'll have to put your feet up in the cruise instead on well, those last. I, I shall <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Yes, I do know that my final trip will be on the thirteenth of uh, May. Sadly, I don't know the flight number yet, but I do know it's London to Atlanta. Uh, and return oh, night nice. Atlanta. Uh, so hopefully I'll get a chance to meet up with uh, the APG folk uh, over there and we'll have a you know, a nice party or something. Uh, so looking forward to that. But, uh, um, yeah, life's looking rosy. Um, you know, just can't wait. Uh, I appear to have started something, by the way, actually, which I, I'm almost beginning to regret now because various uh, friends who are um, watching the show uh, have uh, start have started sending me in pictures of where they're watching um, the, uh, <laughs> the the show <laughs> oh, from. No. Uh, now, this one is um, from uh, Andy from the A320 podcast. Um, brace yourselves, everyone. Uh, <laughs> He says, oh, do you do location picks now, Matt Smith? I'm also watching in a hotel bed, not quite like Myla, though. So that's to be fair. Yeah, that's, um... Clearly, he's plugged himself into the mains. Yeah, well, something's gone terribly yeah, wrong there, hasn't yeah. he? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's one heck of a beard there. Yes, anyway, do feel free to keep sending in pictures of your location, of where you're watching the show. Uh, podcast at plaintalkinguk.com, please. And, uh, well, if, if I get a chance, I will show them. Anyway, Carlos. I, I, I do like that, Matt. <laughs> we, should have that, we should have that as the part of the show. The, show, the yeah. feature. Unfortunately, that works really badly on an audio-based podcast. But it does. Uh, you know, yeah, but that, but that's the excuse for anyone who watches the show or, or listens to the show as an audio podcast to go over to YouTube and watch yeah. the, the video yeah. show. Um, but it's I'm just I'm just looking forward to the next one we get where someone says, oh, I'm on the top of Kilimanjaro uh, watching right. the show. I don't know what uh, you know, data access is like uh, on top of Mount Kilimanjaro. But anyway, I I, we should probably stick to the aviation, if I'm honest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so welcome to everyone who has joined us in the YouTube chat room this evening, all that, well, there's loads of family in there this evening, loads of great people and the family members in the chat room this evening, uh, including our, our, obviously, our blue spanners in there who are looking after everything uh, in the chat room. Mm. But, um, yeah, welcome to everyone who's joined us. It's Friday evening, the 15th of March, and just coming up to 10 past seven in the evening here in the UK, where I will say it has been an incredibly windy day and that's not anything due to beans but it's oh, been a really? very <laughs> it's been an incredibly windy day right and i will say that you know this afternoon we were on board a uh, mc130 hercules 
And do you know what? As you that do. is that is one heck of a beast. Yeah, right? I bet. Yeah. But even that was being blown around like was it like anything on the uh, on the tarmac? Yeah, it was yeah, uh, quite bet. interesting. Experience. Actually, while you're doing that, I'm, I'm going to show. I'm going to just show everybody my favourite picture. Oh, here we of, go of the day. So as I say, it was uh, Armando's uh, uh, leaving do. Um, and I think this this is one of I the, like again one. apologies ladies and gentlemen if you are listening to the audio based version I'll make sure I include a link to it in the in the show notes but uh, there we go look at that I've never seen Gemma so happy to be sat next to a handsome <laughs> young man I don't know quite what uh, what's occurring there but uh, there we go yeah so it's uh, lovely isn't it yeah what, what on earth has Armando got on his head uh, right I, it was chilly Nick <laughs> trust me it was very chilly. <laughs> Right, and okay, uh, one yeah. of the things that Armando did point out to us today on our tour of the uh, of the V22 was the yeah. fact that it's not the most watertight of uh, military aircraft in the world, um, or uh, wind close either. Um, and uh, I will just say as well a big thanks to Armando because those of you watching the video show will notice that I have a new cap, yes. and that is thanks to Armando. He is um, very kindly. Um, Got me a new cap for right, the show. Very good. And yeah. I did decide to wear it tonight, so there we go. That badge looks removable. Is that for when you go into combat? It's for when I go into combat, yeah. Very, very yep. much so. When you go into combat, Fair enough, right. And, okay. and you're incommunicado. People don't know which country you come from. Right, yes. Okay, I mean, that's, that's always an option. Yeah. <laughs> Talking of airplanes getting bounced around, it does remind me uh, of landing in the Shanghai uh, in an approaching typhoon. And uh, I, I won't tell you about the landing, which was overly exciting. Um, but when we eventually parked up, we couldn't uh, actually get the passengers off the aircraft because uh, the aircraft was being blown around so much. They couldn't put steps up against the side of the airplane because uh, the airplane was physically moving so much uh, that you know, it would have been banging into the steps and the steps could well have blown over. They needed to get us into uh, a shelter position on the terminal, uh, and um, it, would, it took an hour for a slot to come free. Wow! And during that hour, the movement on the aircraft was so much there were passengers actually being seasick on oh, the aircraft goodness. because of the amount of movement. Horrible day. Yeah, I bet. That just sounds horrendous. Neil Lanwarn has just emailed the show. Here we go. Look, uh, this is where this is his viewing station. Look, everybody's watching us on television. This is very weird. It's good. I, <laughs> I, like that. I don't know, I like I don't know that. if I can cope with this. It's all a bit stressful. <laughs> You're a TV personality now, Matt. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> the trouble is, uh, trouble is, Nick, is I've got a face for radio. That's what the issue with, with that particular image, you know. But, uh, Oh, well, all that green screen, I'm sure you can come up with something. Yeah, well, if I could paint my actually, if I paint my face green, that could that could be solve a lot of issues. That, uh, would, anyway. that would be interesting. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see that. <laughs> Indeed. Anyway, we probably should do some kind of like you know aviation related um, news stories and stuff, seeing as that is what we're here for. So we have got uh, loads of stuff to get through on the show this week, including coming up later on the show. Uh, we've got uh, a, the next segment, the uh, second part of the uh, interview that Pip done at London Heathrow, mm. the new digital control. Yes, very exciting. Uh, so we've got the second part of that to play, which is really good. And also 
we've got uh, a great little segment that has been put together by Armando for you guys to watch this week yeah. as well, uh, where he has been and had a really good chat with the guys who uh, work over at the British Aerobatics Academy nice. in the UK, because obviously Armando's been doing a bit of crazy flying yeah. over the last few months, so uh, we've got that coming up on later in the show, but we are going to start the show as we do each week with a rundown of the week the news from around the world and the UK, so if you're ready, Matt, yeah, and if you're ready, Nev... Yes. Nick? Certainly, sir. Let's go. So, kicking off this week's first news story then. Obviously, it's been uh, head of the news now for quite a few days obviously following on from the Ethiopian 737 MAX crash. And this one is on the flightglobal.com website. We all love Flight Global. Awesome site. And uh, it's one of Nev's favourites uh, due to the font, I think. is uh, uh, Right. Yeah. Okay. Easy to read, Easy Nev. To, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, obviously, the, uh, the the crash, it was a terrible, terrible thing that uh, when that happened. And um, obviously, we are all... All very much in uh, in thoughts going out to everyone who was affected by that uh, incident. But French investigators appear to be poised to conduct the initial evaluation and download of information from flight recorders recovered from the crashed Ethiopian uh, 737 MAX. Investigation authority, the BEA, uh, told Flight Global it has been selected for the analysis work through the recorders have yet to be received by the organisation. A spokesperson for BEA said, uh, that they will sh probably should arrive on the 14th of March. Actually, that was yesterday, should have been arrived there. And both the cockpit voice recorder and flight data recorder have been retrieved from the wreckage of the aircraft, which came down on the 10th of March after departing Addis Ababa. German Accident Investigation Authority, BFU, uh, had earlier disclosed to Flight Global that it would not be involved in the recorder evaluation, and that was down to uh, the fact they didn't have the software, apparently, to, uh, to download those recorders. Uh, this uh, followed previous indications by a number of media that investigators uh, in Ethiopia were planning to send the recorders to Europe for download. And obviously, we know this has, this has been quite a, a news-hitting um, story since this happened. There's been a lot of things going on uh, across in the US, obviously, and obviously in Europe here as well, with the MAX being uh, grounded, the Dash 9 or the 9 MAX and the 8 MAX as well. Um, but... Um, I don't know. It's, we're obviously all waiting now to hear really what the investigation comes up mm. with is, is to, to the reason I guess for the, this. the area we have to be a bit careful about here is there is a lot of stuff going on in the media. Uh, and I guess we have to be um, prudent, perhaps, and stay well away Very much from, so. um, you know, sort of hearsay and uh, not getting involved in the rumour mill, I think, is the, mm. the, the short answer. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah we, we are obviously very aware of what uh, everything else is, you know, all the other media outlets are saying. Um, but, um, it, you know, there are lots of theories flying around. It's slightly worrying, isn't it? It has to be said. I think however mm. you, you dress it up, there, something has obviously gone awry here somewhere, hasn't it? Yeah. Whether it be education of pilots or... Um, a software fix, or I think, was one of the things that Boeing said that they were um, in the process of doing for mm. this uh, for this aircraft. But yeah. uh, any thoughts, Nick? I know you've you've obviously talked about this before, I expect. But any any kind of quick thoughts from you at all as to? Yeah, well, well Matt's 
Matt's completely right. There's a great deal of, uh, a lot of unfounded speculation that's going on in the news and uh, a lot of guesses um, and a lot of uh, assumptions being made, a lot of criticism when there is absolutely no um, basis for it other than people um, wishing to pull up past events and try and relate yeah. them but without any concrete information on exactly what happened on this flight we can't even link the two incidents uh, for that the 737 uh, max has had um all that we can really say is that uh, the various authorities in all these countries that operate it have uh, decided that there is enough similarity for them to take the surface course which is to ground the aircraft uh, and um, I think the country which probably knows most about it, I, the country it's built in, I don't think the FAA would necessarily have taken that step if it hadn't been for the government uh, sort of overriding them. Uh, we uh, will find out very shortly, and I have no doubt with the pressure that's on uh, the authorities to come up with at least a preliminary examination of the flight data recorder and uh, either dispel any concerns that the two accidents are related or perhaps uh, come up Confirmed. with some indication that they are and it's going to happen relatively quickly so i think the the trick is just to sit on your hands um and uh, just wait patiently for the 48 perhaps 36 hours i suspect it will take uh for them to come out with issues because they're going to be working 24 7 to come out with something yeah. Just to, if, if only for the economic uh, damage it's doing the various airlines that uh, yeah. have these aircraft, to have them all grounded, is obviously doing uh, a certain amount of damage. Uh, to a certain extent, uh, it's not hurting some airlines too much because uh, there aren't that many of them out around the world compared with the overall number of 737s, of mm -hmm. which there are a huge number. And I'm sure other aircraft will be able to pick up the slack. But um, it does concern me that a, a great deal of uh, criticism and uh, a lot of uh, um, really uh, nasty comments being uh, made both against Boeing and against the FAA, all of which are completely unfounded at the moment. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm actually going. Well, that's you're going way over the top here, guys. Let's yeah. calm it all down and and just as we do in a lot of these incidents, just wait, wait, yeah, wait for a little while, and we'll all find out exactly what's going on. Do you think that uh, some of this? Uh, do you think it's perhaps the the reason why some of these decisions have been made have been based that obviously they are privy perhaps to preliminary. Uh, information and that's why they've taken that step or do you, do you think they're just doing it as a precaution at this stage? Well I think some airlines uh, will be doing it because it's sorry some countries will be doing it because it's not going to do them a great deal of harm and they don't see any reason why they shouldn't they're just taking the very safe side uh, other countries are being a bit more practical perhaps a bit more <laughs> pragmatic um, the FAA was undoubtedly thinking about it and they were waiting for information, I suspect, before they made a decision because, after all, they're the country where the aircraft was designed and developed and uh, other countries will take a lead from them. So I think if they'd done a knee-jerk reaction, um, everyone would have followed along. Uh, I, I, I have absolutely no criticism of the FAA because they happen to be the last uh, authority to... Uh, ground the aircraft uh, they they just have to make their decisions in their own time with the information they have 
uh, and uh, you know there, no incidents have happened because the FAA delayed their decision by a few hours. Right. Um, in fact, no incidents have happened at all uh, since that uh, second crash. So uh, everyone is being extremely safe. Uh, and in other cases, um, you know, airliners have flown on for some time before eventually uh, they've come up with a fix. And even then, when they come up with a fix, they're allowed to continue to fly uh, until that fix is implemented. Um, so it, it's all a matter of judgment. We don't have the information to make that judgment. We have to rely on the authorities who have a great deal more information. Uh, to be able to do that. And there's a certain element of trust here. And there's an awful lot of people willing to criticize without any clue really what they're yeah. talking about. And that's the bit that's that's worrying me about any of these stories, isn't it? Where the, the media get their teeth on a small chunk of information, go over over the overboard with it. Uh, and I, I mean, anything uh, you want to add, Nev? I'll just compare it to... If you rewind the clock, uh, 19 years to the Concorde crash in Gunness oh, yeah, in course, France yeah. in July 2000, uh, everybody said, oh, yes, we've got to ground the aircraft immediately. And British Airways going, no, don't see any reason to whatsoever. We don't have the facts uh, yet. And uh, the CAA uh, agreed with British Airways for the at least the beginning of that. But then they decided that they would like to take the aircraft out of service until they found out what, what really went on. That was before the days of 24-7 media, of course, mm. uh, and of course, and social media. And of course, you can imagine now it's a bit of a quiet news day. So let's just go, let's go nuts over some it, of the speculation yeah. that, that's been going on. Indeed. And some of it has, has been absolutely extraordinary. And the yeah. inaccuracies have been hmm. award-winning, if it yeah. was possible to yeah. you know to do that. But what we have to remember here is that a lot of there's been a big loss of life here, very and very often so. when a brand new variant of an aircraft comes into service or a new aircraft comes into service itself, inevitably there are, there are problems at the beginning of its uh, actual service life. Mm. Um, some of it is you know not not a big deal. Some of it's some software tweaks. Some of it's all sorts of things. But clearly something's gone very badly wrong here and uh, there is no point in in speculating so i guess we're, i mean obviously our listeners and viewers are of course very sensible and they will be sitting here waiting for official judgment as to the actual will. cause rather than mm. you know jumping on yet more hearsay and, and yeah. things like that anyway i think we should probably move on if that's uh, all right with ev everyone i'm just going to quickly oh sorry go on nick I was just going to relate one historic story because, Dude, of course, yeah. it's great to look back in history and remember the comet and the initial crashes they had on oh, the yeah. comet. Yeah. Initially, the uh, aircraft was grounded, but then the airlines operating it and the manufacturers convinced uh, the Civil Aviation Authority that it was safe to fly. And they even then flew uh, the Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh uh, on a comet. Uh, and I think uh, the Queen Mother and uh, Princess Margaret also flew and they hadn't actually isolated the problem and although they completed their flight safely uh, subsequently yet more comets crashed and they had to ground the aircraft a second time that's when they discovered the major flaw that existed in the airframe so you know had they stuck with their guns and uh, grounded the aircraft until they really knew what was happening then of course the passengers that sadly died in those two extra crashes would have been saved yeah a good point 
So, Matt, the next story... Yeah, before we move on to the oh, next story, uh, we've, had, we've got another update uh, of various people <laughs> who are watching the show. Uh, t- this <laughs> is the turn of Chris Griggs. He is uh, projecting us onto his wall in his lounge. Oh, that's cool. Uh, like and that. he's watching us uh, on his video projector, which is uh, quite cool. So nice to see a proper bit of AV. Yeah, absolutely. I, thought, I knew you'd approve, Nev. I knew we could rely on you <laughs> yeah. to approve. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, so uh, we're, we're sticking, unfortunately, with the Max. Uh, but mainly because, mainly obviously, because yeah. well, I mean, as I'm sure regular uh, viewers and listeners will know, of course, um, uh, story number two, as it always turns out to be, uh, is a Ryanair story. And uh, the reason why it's relevant, of course, is they have got a big order uh, for these uh, these aircraft uh, in, in the bag, as it were. And it's on the Reuters website, actually, uh, the, the story we're covering. It says, Ryanair sees no impact on flights from Boeing 737 MAX bag. Uh, so Warsaw uh, is where this is coming out of. Uh, Ryanair's flight schedules will not be affected by the grounding of the Boeing 737 MAX jet, the budget airline's chief legal and re- regulatory officer said on Thursday. The United States joins countries around the world in grounding the 737 MAX on Wednesday following a fatal crash in Ethiopia on Sunday. Ryanair has ordered 135 737 MAX 200s, a modified version of the MAX 8, and has options on 75 more. It is due to take delivery of the first in April, two in May and two in June, and then 50 more before the 2020 summer season. Uh, There is no risk for Ryanair's summer programme. Uh, it was said at a press conference in Warsaw, our fleet of 450 planes included a lot of emergency planes which are located strategically. He said it was too early to say if Ryanair would try and cancel its order. I don't think they will. No, I mean, they're, I they're, think so. Their fleet, I mean, some of the, um, the Dash 800s they've got in their fleet, some of those are getting quite old now. Quite, mm. uh, quite well used, I should say. Well, I, High I, mileage aircraft, and I think it's safe to say that whatever is behind what's going on here, yeah. I dare say nobody be working faster and harder than Boeing to put it right. So you know, it's yeah. uh, you know, okay, there may be a brief delay perhaps before it can go, you know, into service. But um, yeah, it's uh, anyway. I think we should really sort of move on. From so Nev, the next talking. story. Obviously, we've been covering these stories now for a few weeks on the show, and. Uh, and Nev, you've got news on uh, the next BA retro livery. Ooh. Yes, we like a bit of retro livery. And we like it because it's on flightglobal.com, so we like the font nice big straight font. away. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's been written by that very well-known aviation journalist, Max Kingsley-Jones. And uh, he says that uh, BA has confirmed speculation around its fourth and final retro livery, revealing that a Boeing 747-400 will be painted in the airline's original red, white and blue Negus design, which dates from 1973. Uh, The aircraft, which is uh, Golf Charlie India uh, India, uh, Victor Bravo, is uh, currently at Dublin for painting into the first version of the Negus livery featuring full British Airways titles, which was employed until 1980. The scheme was adopted directly after BA was created following the merger of BOAC and BEA in 1973. A later version of the scheme used British titles before the Landor rebrand in 1984. Uh, The repainted 747 will end service later this month from Heathrow on BA's long-haul network, and the scheme will remain on the aircraft until it retires in 2022. The Negus scheme, named after the Negus and Negus Creative Agency run by Dick Negus and his wife Pam, 
joins four other heritage liveries that BA has introduced this year to market centenary. These comprise 747-400s in BOAC and Landor schemes and an Airbus A319 painted in the BEA red square livery, which does look particularly smart, I have to say. Uh, Uh, Are you sure it wasn't Arthur Negus of the Antique Roadshow? (laughs) Well, it, it might have been, and uh, for oh, those okay. people of a certain age, uh, Nick, so that's probably you and me on this show, uh, might remember who that was. Um, but uh, compelling viewing, wasn't it, that programme on a, a Sunday night, I think it was, uh, I believe. Oh, yeah, that's right. I just thought, you know, being an antique airplane, that, uh, you know, it would have been yes. on that show, probably. There's, there's, the, there's the connection right there. Uh, well, Alex Crude, who's oh. uh, British Airways chairman and chief exec, said it's particularly significant for us because uh, Negus is the first design worn by the British Airways that uh, we all know today with the distinctive lowercase a and the union flag on the tail fin, he says. Sorry, uh, uh, Carlos, I interrupted. No, I was, gonna, I was gonna say, Nev, are you surprised that they didn't put these schemes on uh, on the other type aircraft types they've got in the fleets? Because obviously they've put this the retro stuff now on is it three seven fours and there's the other livery on a a319 was it yes um i don't know i think obviously the 787s um and the a350 which is coming into service soon um they've very modern aircraft and yeah. maybe there was a tendency not not to mix the two i, I don't know what the thought process was actually but uh, my particular favorite i've got to say is the landor scheme that yes, is yes, yes, yes. i don't BA know i quite me. like the boac one i have to be honest because <laughs> yeah. I, I i remember well I, yeah I, I don't remember necessarily seeing it in service but obviously regular visits to uh, duxford and that kind of thing so it was nice to see it all properly you know colorful and, and it's that. a big favorite in the chat room i think there's there's a lot of love what, the for, the BO, for the BOAC. AC liveries. There's oh, a lot good, of love good. In I'm, I'm pleased I'm not alone. <laughs> Nick, are you a, are you a fan of this uh, this whole retro kind of uh, livery painting of uh, various uh, aircraft? Well, I, I see a few around the airport, and uh, I I love the uh, the lofty one. I think Erlingus have got one out, and every now and again you look and you think, oh look, that looks absolutely brilliant. And uh, I think we all have a certain fondness for. Uh, the retro look, mm-hmm. um, and what you know, one in a while, it looks fantastic. Just as uh, sometimes, you know, you got a really flamboyant uh, aircraft uh, color scheme comes out to celebrate a particular event, mm. and they they look great too. So I always think it's nice, particularly for the spotters, to have things spe- special to look at. Excuse yeah, me. definitely. So moving on to the next story, Captain Nick. This one is. Uh, uh, well, it's a it's a, a relaxing story, I think, for Captain. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think so. Yeah, um, it, it comes from the Irish Examiner. I'm I'm just curious to know what the Irish examine with this newspaper. But <laughs> here we go, uh, I, and it's uh, finally a more comfortable way to fly. I think we'll all be happy with that, I, particularly <laughs> on the flight deck. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's the dream for any economy traveller to arrive at your seat on the. Uh, plane to find there's no one else in your row and you can lift the armrests up and stretch out horizontally well that's all until the seatbelt signs come on yes. um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so it's the dream for any any economy traveler uh to um be able to lie down um and they get they say they we go as far as to say it's even better than most business class seat situations Ooh, when you can know. lie horizontally <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I, I would probably uh, take exception there because there's an awful lumps and bumps if you try and lie on, mm. on uh, a bunch of seats. Anyway, one airline has decided to capitalize on this and offer mattresses to go along the rows so you can be extra comfortable and it'll only cost you 200 pounds so thomas cook have announced their new sleeper seat on sale from today they transform a row of three into a flat bed so you might actually be able to get some proper sleep on a long-haul flight uh, they'll be available on the longer routes on the airbus a330s such as New York, San Francisco, Orlando, and Cancun. And you won't have to rely on luck, uh, you know, to try and nab that row uh, all to yourself. You can book it and without having to pay for all three seats. What? So you just have to pay this £200 premium, I would guess. So you take off as normal, uh, but when the uh, aircraft's in the air, the cabin crew will transform your private row <laughs> into a bed with a mattress and a fitted sheet, hello, luxury, headrest, pillow, and a blanket. The mattresses are 800 Sorry, 148.4, very important, that point four centimetres long. Yes. Not a lot of good for me because I top out at 188 <laughs> centimetres. Yeah. So there's going to be uh, 38 <laughs> centimetres or 30-odd. No, it's going to be 40 centimetres of me hanging over the end. I'm not quite <laughs> sure what I do with those 40 centimetres. And it's 67 centimetres deep. Um, yeah, I don't know how really if that's enough, but there you go. Um, the sleeper rows will be tucked away at the back of the aircraft. And now there are only going to be four available per flight, so you need to secure them at the time of booking. And you make your decision and say, right, I'll pay the 200 You obviously have to be one of the first four, otherwise you don't get it. Uh, other than that, you'll have the same uh, service as normal uh, with James Martin meals. Mm -hmm. uh, I wonder what one of those is. <laughs> uh, and in-flight entertainment on a choice of three personal TVs, because, of course, you could have all three, and you could have three different movies. <laughs> and if you had three ears, you could have one headphone for each ear, which would be brilliant. Um, you, uh, If you're traveling with a partner, friend, or family, and you don't want to pay for multiple sleeper seats, you're allowed to share the love and swap places. Uh, cue the arguments, it says here. The only rule <laughs> yeah. is you need to be 12 or over, which, considering the size of them, is a bit of a shame because they look like they're perfectly sized for 12-year-olds. Um, we're always, well, we always look, this is the airline speaking, uh, to innovate for our customers. And Sleeper Seat is a UK first that we're really proud of, says Henry Sunley at Thomas Cook. It's a fantastic way to transform your flying experience and enjoy some extra comfort when flying in economy. So you can land at your destination fully rested, adjust to the different uh, time zone. I'm not quite sure how that works because um, it doesn't employ any special uh, jet lag tricks, just lying down. Uh, and you can be a little smug. Um, so, <laughs> And that's the most important thing, Nick, let's be honest. Oh, yes. The opportunity Definitely. to be a little smug. Yeah. <laughs> yep, while everyone else looks at you uh, yeah. angrily yes, uh, and it, yeah. keeps bumping into your head on purpose as they Jealousy, walk to the loo. That's, that's, that's exactly right. The only thing I'm uh, just wondering about, they obviously can't fill their airplanes because uh, if there was any chance of them being oh, yeah. able to sell all those seats and get a full price for them, uh, then I don't think they'd be making this offer. But perhaps they're flying these aircraft partly empty because they just can't fill them. Is, yeah. is that a possibility, do you think? 
I don't know. I think they were just saying actually in the chat room there. I think um, I think it was Tony was saying actually that Air New Zealand offer a similar uh, sort of thing um, where where you can sort of oh, buy Glenn, the extra Glenn Towler and Glenn Towler yeah, as well. The Sky yeah. Couch. I mean, yeah, Sky Zealand. Couch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. But yes, I, th I think you raise a valid point. Uh, what do you reckon, Neff? Um, yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I think the problem there is that uh, uh, extra seat capacity is great for us passengers, but the, the financial people don't like it. Do no, indeed. I mean, would you pay out um, the, 200, the quid? 200 quid if, if you know, say say BA tomorrow decided they were going to do that sort of system and there was a free row, would you, would you give up seat 1A to go and have a lie down? Uh, probably not. No, <laughs> no. Uh, you know, because they're claiming... It also depends who is... <laughs> well, yeah, but it depends who's paying for the ticket, doesn't it? So, oh, okay. Well, yeah. well I have <laughs> to say, if I'm flying from UK to San Francisco in a 330, uh, not the fastest of airplanes, that's a pretty long old trip. Uh, and mm. I personally would think, well, that's that's not a bad. If you're if you're a petite person, that's really not a bad way of uh, doing it because the the actual ticket's going to be reasonably expensive. Mm. I would guess it three to four hundred pounds uh, adding an extra 200 on that is still not up to a business class seat but you're getting no. at least a portion of business class uh comfort, comfort so, yeah absolutely yeah yeah, that's uh, quite a good idea. Uh, before we move on to the next story, then uh, we have another update from one of our fabulous listeners. So uh, this is Nico Riga. He is watching. Nico. Uh, he is watching the show. Uh, Nev, you're going to approve of, of on this picture on so many levels. Uh, the first one being obviously we've got a lovely Mac there plugged into the monitor. Oh, look at that! Doesn't that look beautiful? Uh, with his, and uh, uh, Nick, if you notice in the front there, there's a certain APG mug uh, in the front there. Look, that looks fantastic. That does. Yes. I like the we blue lighting. That. That's the yeah. way I love yeah. that. I wonder what's in yes, the APG mug. I'm hoping IPA. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, if I could be a little bit picky, I'm a little bit upset with the the cable management. Oh no! It can just be a, a single cable it. on the back love of the Love it, love it, love it. And yeah. that that's uh, spoilt it, but yeah. right, yes, yeah, right, okay. <laughs> Trust you to pick up on that. Uh, honestly, a perfectionist. <laughs> oh dear. Absolutely. Anyway, it's time to move on, uh, Carlos. Uh, yeah, this next one is on the CBSNews.com website, and uh, it's all oh, regarding. Alaska, who are having a bit of a revamp. So, uh, cup holders and memory foam seats is how Alaska Airlines are revamping their cabins. So, the glamour days of aircraft travel may be long gone, but some airlines are putting a focus back on comfort. God, I'm glad they are. Alaska Airlines, which became the, nation, uh, the nation's fifth largest carrier after buying out Virgin America, is now unveiling a brand new look with special attention to how passengers experience flying from their seats. The relaunch comes after uh, several of the biggest airlines are also investing millions in their cabins. Uh, Van Cleve took a flight with dozens of Alaska frequent flyers. Uh, the company is hoping to impress them with its fresh new cabin. The airline will invest tens of millions of uh, dollars uh, to address a huge challenge uh, meddling, um, mel uh, mel melding Virgin blah, 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 America's blah, blah, blah. trendy vibe <laughs> with the more uh, traditional Alaska in a way that makes both sets of loyal customers happy. He says they just want to uh, need to involve or evolve and evolve to something that's a little more stylish and a little more modern, he says. And uh, we need to have something that really resonates with passengers. 
Uh, the Virgin fleet is getting a fresh look outside, but uh, to go from the old interior to the new one, it takes 45 people 18 days per aircraft. Uh, two years of work went into picking the right welcoming cabin colours, mood lighting. Uh, Virgin is known for uh, it gets a new blue hue. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Carlos. Could you just read that bit again? It took them 45 people 18 days to pick a colour. Am, am I right there? <laughs> Well, you know what these di designers are like, uh, <laughs> Nick. It's uh, you know you can't rush a decision like this. Well, yeah, I know, but <laughs> you mean they? they uh, I'm just trying it to imagine what they did for all that time. Uh, Forty-five people. Uh, was it just one huge big argument? No, no, no. I like the pink. No, I like the blue. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently, Nick, they also upped the number of seats in first class, which is obviously good for uh, Nev. Uh, that's uh, good for the number crunchers, I, I would and, imagine. Yes, yeah. and <laughs> installed thinner seats that allow more passengers in economy, while keeping legroom about the same, meaning only first class passengers lost space. And uh, he said that we want to make sure people flying in the main cabin feel good about their experience, he said. Uh, BMW's Design Works designed the new seats, which feature hand-cut memory foam to feel a bit like a luxury car. The seat is obviously taking cues from the automotive seat in its performance in the cushioning of the sort of lumbar support. Uh, said uh, Molly Evans of BMW Design Works, but it was the custom clip on the seat back for a tablet or phone in economy that got people talking. In premium economy, the tray table also features a cup holder. Matt, you do love a cup holder. I do. You? I'm rather partial to a cup holder. This yeah. is uh, really a make-or-break move for Alaska. It's critical for their future success, said airline analyst Henry Hartbelt. Uh, he said that people are motivated by the cabin experience and 15% of flyer satisfaction comes from the seat. I will say... Doing a long haul on an uncomfortable seat is not not good. No, no. So uh, he says that uh, for former Virgin flyer Michael Thomas, Alaska's cup holder sold him. Well, he was easily pleased. <laughs> he says he's a whiskey man, and the new cup holder good is going man. to hold my good whiskey man. secure and going to be great. Thomas said, "No spilling." Oh. It's a small innovation that could have a big impact as Alaska tries to climb higher than ever. Now, I will say, memory foam seats. I mean, I. I sport a memory foam pillow at home. Oh, tough one! On the bed. Well, somebody's and doing well for themselves. They are very comfortable, I will say. Um, but having that, because some aircraft seats can be, I think, really uncomfortable. Um, I think some of them I, I, skimp I, I, a bit on the can foam. I, can I, I'll, I'll be honest, I think it's a little bit o over, overboard. I mean, I can understand why... What, it, memory foam? Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I just don't don't get the the, the vibe really. I, I just uh, the thing a well a, surely a well designed seat doesn't require any fancy memory phone. phone to well, well, what, what's it going to remember? Memory phone adjusts itself to the individual rather well, than having suppose, to yeah. have one seat that fits all. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I think my only concern is that the memory phone doesn't have a sufficiently long memory so that the previous passengers indent isn't there when i get in there because my indent may not fit theirs no indeed and mine uh well uh, my indent certainly you wouldn't you would uh, you wouldn't fit into so we'll gloss over that and move on uh, i'm also a little bit concerned that alaska think the cup holder is critical for their future success because i would like to think that they've got something a little bit more to base their future success on. 
I'm, I'm going to disagree with you, actually, there, Nick. I'm afraid that I think cup holders are very, very important in, in regards to one's uh, personal comfort. And I think uh, the pictures that we had uh, from a couple of weeks ago uh, with a cup holder with uh, Matt. Oh, Matt, yes. Uh, yes, I mean, that, yeah. that was, that was quite... And I have to say, I, I, was in a, I was in a very nice very nice coach that I took to Burm- the Birmingham NEC yesterday. Uh, and uh, whilst there were cup holders for all of the uh, wonderful passengers, uh, they neglected to give one to me, which I was most yeah. upset about. I, I had nowhere to I, I would be too, but don't forget, in order to use the cup hold, you need to purchase a cup with something in it. So oh, well, yeah, yeah. they're just making money out of you, whichever way you go. Well, I'd already bought my Costa coffee, I'll, I, 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 don't, <laughs> I won't lie, but uh, uh, anyway, actually, uh, Nev, do you have any uh, opinions on, on uh, you know, cup holders and their importance? Well, you can. it's a bit like um, uh, mains dis- distribution blocks, isn't it? You, you can never have enough. Uh, right. And, uh, <laughs> right. Do you know? I wonder where you were going with that for a second. <laughs> no, but I, I was just looking at uh, a road test of a car. Uh, I forget was it on the Top Gear website? One of those or things. Possibly, yeah. And, and what, one of the most important things was the, the, the number of cup holders it has. It was six mm. or eight or whatever it was. It seems to be a bit of a bit of a thing, doesn't it? But well, that does important. indeed. Actually, uh, Nev's yeah. just sent me a picture of how he's watching the show. By the way, oh. um, uh, Nico, this is your opportunity to get your own back oh, here because come on. No. Nev, the cable management, seriously. Uh-oh. Yeah, Uh-oh. okay. It's, 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 it's not my oh. finest hour, no, I concede. No, indeed. Yeah. That's, um, that's a mess and a half. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, your your, your explanation. You, you have please, heard Nev. of wireless mice, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, dear. Well, my excuse really was the iMac was in such a mess at the start of the I had the yeah. whole lot out and I've not really put it back properly yet so no, uh, no, my, my yeah, all right, all right. We'll, we'll forgive you this one <laughs> yeah only no, this just, one uh, just, guys I'm sorry to, to hark back to your previous show but uh, I, I of course listen to you as a podcast because I don't oh, often get a chance to see you like I, I'm just curious what Carlos's cup holder looked like on Jet 2 was it a sort of gyro stabilised thing yeah oh, 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 yes, with, with yeah. mats yeah no, yes, it oh, did look mat, like that it? doesn't okay, it yeah. so no, no, not, it was A320 mat it was A320 mat Yes, yeah. he, oh, right. he, he, that was, it was an amazing this the seat like pull down yeah. kind of pull down like a, a wire ring yeah. which pulled down from the seat back and kind of twisted mm. to make this ideal yeah. cup holder. I mean it, it, yeah it, it but of course, the ideal one on an airplane is one that gimbals so that as the aircraft ah, moves no, around the yeah. cup stays upright and the coffee stays in the cup instead of being in your lap I mean, there, there are issues, as I say, we're mentioning, like, and I'm using Ryanair as an example because that's really the only airline that I've flown with, but, the, you know, the little hole that, that they give you, the little dimple, if you like, in the, in the, the tray uh, <laughs> on the back of the seat is enough for it to just, uh, what have I done? I'll so, just read the chat, what, what did they say? What have I done? No, oh, God, it's, it, it, it's, it's nothing to do with that, Matt. Oh, um, not James, on, uh, James Honor right. in the chat room has said, uh, Nev's cable management is the least of his worries. Who goes to the trouble of soundproofing a room and then leaves the door open <laughs> oh. uh, well just a, just a point of order there. Point of order. <laughs> uh, if I shut the door the, the cat that is sitting behind me gets very cross and starts oh, yes, so, uh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I Come love on, our Nev. listeners I'm so sorry oh. I showed that Nev no, I, I, I had listeners. no idea you were going to get so much abuse on so that. am I yeah. <laughs> moving <laughs> swiftly on yeah okay um, we'll move on to the next story this to the next is story, yeah. on Flight Global and the headline is budget carrier EasyJet has received an Airbus A320 Neo equipped with fans dash C technology. What's Ooh. that? Uh, enabling it to participate in an EU project to test 
Future Air Traffic Management ATM System. So I can tell you what it is, Matt, but then I'd have to shoot you. Oh, fair no. enough. Okay, well, okay. you know, at least wait till the end of the show, hey, and then uh, I, <laughs> I, I, I look forward to my suitable retribution. Uh, EasyJet will be one of seven airlines involved in the trial of the system, which allows aircraft to share predicted 40 flight tra- trajectory data in order to enhance operational performance. Airbus says the narrowbody is the first of up to 100 A320 family jets that will be fitted with the technology for the digits project or demonstration of air traffic management improvements generated by 4D initial trajectory information sharing as part of single European Sky ATM modernization program. Uh, in addition to EasyJet, Airbus-led digits will involve aircraft operated by Air France, British Airways, Iberia, Novair. Is it Novair? Novair? Novair. Novair. Uh, Thomas Cook and Wizz Air deliveries of FANS-C equipped Jets will continue into 2020. The very large demonstration is set to last more than a year and aims to cover more than 20,000 revenue flights. FANS-C technology will enable airlines to optimise their aircraft's trajectories and make traffic flows more fluid and aircraft speed easier to manage, which will help them to save fuel and reduce noise, Airbus says. The airframer notes that sharing of predicted trajectories with ATC stations will facilitate smooth aircraft sequencing on approach to airports. Benefits will include more accurate flight plans, optimised trajectory computations and acceptance processes, better uh, alignment of trajectories planned by airlines and air traffic management agencies and improved air traffic and network capacity predictions. EasyJet Group Head of Network Operations Hugh McColling says our early hands-on experience already indicates that it promises to be an important enabler to increase the efficiency, safety and on-time performance of our expanding operations, especially in the congested European airspace. FANS-C systems uh, are based on automatic dependent surveillance contract. Uh, that's the ADS-C technology, which an- allows an aircraft to transmit its predicted 4D location, altitude and time uh, flight trajectory to ATC stations and a data link that allows digital ATC instructions to be transmitted to the cockpit. Um, Aircraft that are configured for the technology additionally require a flight management system upgrade. Airbus says that the A320 family were the first commercial aircraft to receive FANS-C certification in November 2018 and it intends to make the system available throughout its entire product range. Well, that's a very fascinating... So have you heard of this um, this, uh, FANS-B stuff then, Nick? Uh, Yes. Uh, Hands up, who knows what FANS stands for? Future, <laughs> oh, I don't know. All right, fans is future air navigation. So a fan system uh, has been been predicted, uh, and they've been trying to introduce fans for as long as I've been in the industry, and they they're slowly progressing. And all these individual bits of uh, it's like Lego bricks to build the final model of. Uh, ADS, uh, which is our automatic uh, position reporting, and uh, ACARS, and coming on to better still, CPDLC, uh, uh, the controller pilot communications, CPD, uh, whatever that stands for. Um, it's like texting between uh, air traffic controllers and pilots uh, are all coming together, and FANCY is just the next progression. Now, the aircraft can predict 
where it will be in a descent. It shows the pilots uh, where the level of point at its current energy state will be. And if, of course, you pass that information on to their traffic controllers, they can, uh, can give them a lot better uh, idea of where their aircraft will be in the future. Uh, and, of course, we can pass our drift. So if they're giving us a heading to fly, they'll know where the aircraft will actually go because the aircraft can tell it what drift there is. They can pass instructions to the crew rather than something crude like descend to and maintain, which is a straightforward text message at this height. They can uh, send it as a... Um, as a piece, an instruction which actually arrives into the autopilot, and all we have to then do is authorize it. So it, it is really quite a step forward, and, and it, this is only a, a, one more step in the whole progression where the air traffic controllers will be able to put a great deal of information into the flight deck. The pilots will have the right to uh, accept it or deny it. The aircraft will feed a lot more information to air traffickers, and all the computers, both on the aircraft and on the ground, will be able to make a very slick feed of aircraft in. And the whole point is to try and sequence aircraft in height and speed and in space so that they don't end up having delays when you get in. So from hundreds of miles away, you can start sequencing aircraft. And only a very small adjustment in speed, for example, will give you the right separation when you're lined up on the runway. And that's the whole thing to try and increase the efficiency of uh, how the whole process works, which saves money because, of course, it saves fuel and also lowers the amount of noise because if you can keep the aircraft at a nice, gentle, constant descent, then the engines are throttled back and uh, it much uh, it, it improves the uh, noise footprint of the aircraft so that it doesn't upset so many people. It's, it's all just a progression towards uh, full automation. It does sound uh, uh, an incredibly useful system, certainly for, uh, uh, never mind the, the fuel savings. I mean, it, it must be so helpful to uh, ATC towers uh, to have that, you know, projected sort of line of flight, if you like, sort of, uh, that that data must be quite crucial when sort of planning when you as you say European airspace is so congested uh, that the ability to to to, to keep well an exactly eye right in and real it takes time. away any need for air routes really which are by and large being ignored in a lot of countries because um, using fans you don't have to put aircraft on air routes anymore you can. Uh, you can just send them more or less in a direct line from where they are to where you need them to be, uh, and the system will control and keep an eye on all the separations you need from the aircraft around. Uh, and, of course, it's great in uh, third world countries who may not have radar coverage mm. because all this is satellite-based, so the aircraft projects its uh, position up to satellites and their traffic controllers can receive that. And in countries where there isn't a lot of radar, they, they don't need radars now because uh, fans will be able to give them the technology to know where the aircraft are without having to install huge amounts of ground equipment. Indeed. There we go. I'll tell you what, that was good. I like that. that was interesting to hear all about A bit about of uh, additional information from uh, Matt from the A320 podcast. Uh, of course, says, yes. Uh, yeah. There's also ADSB, which some airlines have and gives the crew more detailed information on other aircraft, for example, the aircraft weight category and the airline, which is handy for weight turbulence. Good point. Yeah, it's also handy for being rude to this bloke saying, Oi, BA, get out of the way. 
The sort of thing you that know, you, you might know do. Who's, yeah. who the bloke in front of you is now because you can see his little symbol and you can see <laughs> his call sign. So you can, you can, you know, you can be rude to him in person. Absolutely, you'd be more direct if if you exactly will. right. Yeah. Absolutely, and we do we do a lot of it over the pond, you know. Yeah. Uh, Andy Wilson in the chat room, he has said that there's there's far too many complicated acronyms. Uh, right. Okay. Well, the, yeah. this is one of the problems, you know. <laughs> uh, it, they they love doing it, and and often the the initial phrases, for example, when we shrunk the tracks across the Atlantic down and halved the distance, they became known as half tracks. Well, now they've changed it to a five letter. Uh, acronym PBS something C. I don't know what even what it stands for. Why they couldn't leave it as half tracks because everyone knew what that meant. It was half the distance of a normal track. I do not know, but <laughs> some air trafficker got in there and thought, oh, "I'm going to make a name for myself." <sighs> Very sad. I think he was Spink. I think it was his name. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on to uh, <laughs> to the next story, and uh, Nev, this one's for you. Yeah, it's on the uh, ttgmedia.com site, and it says that uh, Ryanair's son uh, obtained a Polish oper uh, air operator certificate in January 2018 and started operating for tour operators in the country last summer and actually going to rebrand uh, the Polish subsidiary Ryanair Sun as Buzz. And uh, Buzz's fleet of 17 aircraft will go grow to 25 this summer, operating charter services and scheduled Ryanair flights. It's one of four standalone airlines in the Ryanair group, along with Ryanair DAC, Ryanair UK and Loudermotion. Buzz will launch its own website and app in the autumn where customers will be able to book all Ryanair group flights. Uh, the move revives the short-lived Buzz brand with its distinctive yellow livery, which Ryanair acquired in 2003, only to shut a year later. The chairman of the Buzz supervisory board says that we're excited to launch Buzz today, uh, which was yesterday, March 14th, and to see our newly branded aircraft appear in Poland this autumn. Over the last 15 years, Ryanair has grown to become Poland's biggest airline, and now we, we expect that Buzz will be Poland's number number one airline. Uh, Ryanair Ch Sun chief executive added, following a successful year of growth for Ryanair Sun, we are delighted our planes will have a new and unique branding as we launch Buzz. Our goal is to offer services at the highest level to both customers and tour operators. Low-cost carrier Buzz was set up by the UK arm of KLM in January 2000 before being sold to Ryanair for around 20 million euros three years later. And uh, Ryanair relaunched it as Buzz Stansted and continued operations for a further 18 months before winding the brand down. Well, it's a good colour aircraft. We like <laughs> yellow things. Yellow things, yes. So banana banana colour is clearly yeah. the way forward, isn't it? I think yeah. it is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've never, I've never heard of these. You know, they commenced operations back in 2000. I'd never heard of Buzz mm. um, at all. Mm. I don't know whether you had at all, uh, Nev, ever heard of Buzz. I, I just looked them up. Anyway, they, they actually used to have a fleet of 737-300, um, the mm. real old school 737s. And they also had a, a quite a lot of the BAE one four sixes as well. Uh, at the what now? Back in the day, that's those little um, short haul ones that go out of London City quite a lot. The ones in our commercial news segment stinger, 
um, that fly. Ah, over. yes, yeah. yes, 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 yeah, yes. Those, I yeah. actually took that video, you mm. know, because I, I, I was, uh, yeah, at the Excel Center. Yeah. Anyway, not that anyone cares. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> well, Nev, what what motion was that, Alan? Uh, louder motion. Sorry, so it was what motion? <laughs> You're not going to get me on that. <laughs> nice, nicely, nicely tried. But, oh, yeah. damn. Uh, I, 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 I obviously you missed You're obviously, you're obviously uh, yeah, way too sharp, yes. <laughs> yeah. You can't catch Nevang. He's like a no. coiled cobra. Uh, right. Uh, family oh. show, gentlemen, please. Moving on. Uh, Moving on to <laughs> the next story, Captain Nick, uh, on the chaviation.com. Well, uh, being a family show, uh, I won't mention what Lufthansa stands for. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. No. <laughs> do you, do, you, do you, Does anyone know? I'm just uh, curious. Uh, go, go on. In for a penny. <laughs> uh, let us fondle the hosties and not say anything. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Terribly uh, on PC <coughs> for on. the current times. Uh, <laughs> wow. So Lufthansa Group has uh, announced significant additions to its wide-body fleet order backlog given the upcoming retirement of select four-engine Airbus aircraft. In a statement, the German uh, holding said it had ordered 20 uh, Boeing 787-9s, uh, it's first of the type and 20 additional A350-900s from Airbus. They're obviously uh, not putting all their eggs in one basket, which is perhaps a wise thing. Uh, Lufthansa um, is currently in the process of adding the first of 25 A350-900s uh, on order from the Europeans, of which 12 have thus been delivered. Gorgeous aeroplane, I have to say, uh, except that's a damned uh, uh, 787. Uh, okay, oops. Have, uh, <laughs> that's, one, that's one for Nev's book then, by the look of that. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> Although the so group many. will only decide where it will deploy the incoming wine bodies in the future, it did hint at uh, possible placements with its uh, Swiss LX Zurich. Uh, and Austrian Airlines, uh, OS Vienna subsidiaries, in particular the latter, where the replacement of its six uh, uh, Boeing 767-300ERs and six Boeing 777-200ERs has long uh, has been a long-burning issue. Uh, okay, so obviously they've been having some possible problems with those airplanes. I don't know, the customers don't like them? Uh, Interesting. Deliveries of the new <laughs> aircraft will take place uh, late uh, 2022 and 2027. So we're probably going to revisit this story a few times in the next few years. In tandem with this announcement, Lufthansa Group uh, also confirmed it will retire six of its 14 uh, A380 uh, 800s from service in 2022 and 2023. The effective aircraft have already been sold to an unspecified third party for an undisclosed sum. Well, this is a very revealing piece, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Not, uh, not Luft... much been given away there, I suspect. Not really. <laughs> no, no, they no. say they continually monitor the profitability of its worldwide uh, route network. Well, any airline would, I would have thought. It'd be a bit silly if they didn't. Uh, as a consequence, the group is reducing the size of its uh, 380 fleet from 14 to 8 for economic reasons. Well, we've 
will know why the damn thing burns too much gas, I'm afraid. Um, the structure of the network and the long-haul fleet fundamentally optimized according to strategic aspects uh, will give the company more flexibility and at the same time increase its efficiency and competitiveness. Yeah, these new generation uh, of Boeings and uh, Airbuses, the uh, 7, 8 and uh, the 350 are just going to be fabulous when it comes to making money. Uh, they you know, just really are in a, a class of their own. Um, so I think this is uh, about time. Uh, we're going to wave goodbye to all the old four-engine airplanes. Uh, and, um, you know, we'll be saying hello to... Twins forevermore, I suspect, really. Mm. Yeah, it says they're going to get rid of uh, 15 of their A340-300s, Nick. Well, I'm surprised they haven't got rid of them uh, already, the 300s. We got rid of ours a long time ago. Um, you know, that actually, the 300 is quite fuel economical, but it's not nearly as economical as the A330, and they share the same fuselage, basically. So you can more or less get as the, the same weight of passengers and people, a number of people uh, in both. And, of course, uh, a twin-engine airplane is always going to be more economical. Well, yes, it's sort of... Uh, and, and yet some, sometimes, I mean, I, I'm, I've known s scenarios where actually sometimes if, it, if it's a heavy car, for example, a bigger engine usually gives you, a, a, you know, more miles, more, more miles to the gallon, essentially, but that, that very much isn't the case, I suppose, with these... Uh, well, no, not really, because uh, you can tweak an aeroplane to be at its optimum with the engines working at uh, their best uh, uh, design RPMs and the airframe flying out at the correct speed, which you can't necessarily do in a car because you're subjected to many uh, traffic constraints and that sort of thing. In an aircraft, uh, you can more or less say, right, we're going to fly it at this altitude and at this speed. So, uh, you know, you can design the aeroplane around that. Yeah. yeah. So the next story. Uh, is on the breakingtravelnews.com website. And it's about an airline that I, I really want to try flying these one day if I can. Uh, so Swiss reveals the first of their refurbished A340s. There we go, Nick. The first Swiss Airbus A340 with a completely refurbished interior in all three seating cabins took off from Zurich earlier on its uh, this week on its first revenue flight. Uh, the aircraft Hotel Bravo Juliet Mike Hotel departed on flight LX-160 to Tokyo. The aircraft is the first of five of Swiss uh, Airlines Airbus A340s to receive this nose-to-tail cabin refurbishment. The aircraft will be put into service one after the other, and according to the current planning, all five of the 340s will be overhauled by summer this year. The refurbished program entails the development and installation of the new first business class and economy seats in new in-flight entertainment systems as well that offer internet connectivity, new galleys, and the comprehensive modernization of the entire interior, including a new lighting concept in all three cabins. The overall offers uh, passengers additional benefits and increases the comfort on board the aircraft, uh, the A340s compared to the 777s. In addition to Tokyo, Swiss Airbus A340s will also be used on flights to Boston, Johannesburg, Shanghai and Tel Aviv. Swiss has five A340s in its long-haul fleet and 14 A330s and 10 777-300ERs. The airline currently offers 24 long-haul destinations. Now, the picture they have on the story of this is, is quite a nice tartan-looking kind of affair on the seating on here. And um, it's safe to say that I'll probably never travel business class in there at all because it's going to be far too expensive. But um, 
Don't you think it's a bit brown? Uh, slightly woody. Um, yeah, brown. Yeah, okay. It's a bit old-fashioned to me. It looks like my dad's car when I was nine <laughs> years old. <laughs> but I, I, I'm a little surprised that they're spending all this money on an aircraft type, which most other airlines are looking to retire. Yes. I can see you. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, I suppose it's, it's that that ultimate argument with, you know, the walnut dash in the car, isn't it? It's one of those, is it, you either love it or hate it, and perhaps some people, you know... I, I quite, I quite like it, I, quite I have like to be it. honest. Yeah, yeah. I, like the, I like it, yeah. Well, it doesn't show the stains. Uh, right, no. and that's another good reason, True. I suppose. Yeah, anyway, moving on. Uh, <laughs> I can't imagine why you'd ever be in a scenario where there are stains on, on seats in an aeroplane. So. so the next story. <laughs> <laughs> the next story. Moving yeah. on. Okay. Um, actually, it's quite a good story to do with today's current weather conditions, but um, Matt, this one is on the... The aviation24.be... Um, not quite sure where that would be. Uh, sorry, Lee's just texted me to say, oh, Belgium. That, that, oh, Belgium, right. Yes, uh, Lee's just texted me to say with the previous story, it's very retro. Very retro. <laughs> very retro. Uh, uh, stormy weather, it says on the aviation24.be website, moves away, uh, two, moves away two parked aircraft at Brussels Airport. A Bombardier, or uh, as I haven't said for a <coughs> long time, Bombardier, uh, <laughs> CRJ-1000 is damaged. Uh, last Sunday, the 10th of March, stormy weather in Belgium not only affected arriving and departing traffic at Brussels Airport, the strong wind was able to move a Boeing 747 by one metre Blimey. Uh, but it was also able to slam a parked Bombardier CRJ-1000 into concrete blocks. First, a Saudi cargo Boeing 747-400 uh, was tossed around like a leaf. The wind was so violent uh, that the 185 tons heavy aircraft moved one metre away from the centre line of her parking station. Extra chocks prevented worse. Uh, on the 5th of February, more than one month ago, this Queen of the Skies arrived from uh, Daman in Saudi Arabia, uh, but has been idle since after a dual engine failure. Uh, another incident happened yesterday on a parked Air Nostrum Bombardier CRJ-1000 uh, uh, operating flights for Brussels Airlines, but idle since the 7th of March after a hydraulic leak. The aircraft rammed concrete blocks next to its parking position Damaging the nose cone, most likely a gust of wind released the aircraft out of the chocks and subsequently the aircraft rolled against the concrete blocks. Now, now there, there are pictures yeah. to go with this story. Matt's going to put them up on the screen. Yeah. One of the first pictures is of this um, 747-400. Uh, we'll we'll start see... with the nose cone, actually, because that damage is... Oh, is... The, uh, on the Bombardier. Uh, that's, that's, I mean, uh, you know, it's not exactly slight damage. A bit of a ding. Yeah, absolutely. That's had quite a smack... <laughs> <laughs> I think it's safe to say. I mean, can you repair something like that, though, no, or is that a write-off? It's repairable. Oh, but, oh no. good Lord, no. That's not a write-off. Not by any means. Uh, that radome is just a replaceable item. Uh, the um, the um, piece of fuselage behind it will be fairly easily repaired, even if it, it looks like it hasn't been too badly dinked. No, mm. uh, you'd be amazed at how much damage. They, I mean, uh, look at... Uh, um, Virgin Atlantic that uh, way back in the history they had uh, an aircraft land at Heathrow with one of its main undercarriage stuck up uh, so it oh, landed yes, yeah. on the engine pods uh, yeah. and um, lots of sparks and looked very impressive. They, that aircraft was flying again in two weeks. 
Really? Gosh. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. I mean, not being funny, they, they are such expensive bits of kit. I mean, you, you know, it's you don't just write it off like that, do you? I mean, it, it's it's got to be, you know, it, it's got to be easy to get back in the air, I suppose, if if you do have an instant. Because I mean, stuff like this is, you know, almost commonplace. I guess. I mean, the, I mean, the winds are are, are extreme. That I must know, have been but... one hell of a strong wind, though, to uh, to move that seven four off the off the sail yeah, line. Like absolutely. That. Yeah. 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 I'd, I'd say there are daily accidents with vehicles bashing into uh, aircraft, uh, Matt, which would inflict similar level of damage to that uh, Bombardier. Um, with regards to uh, the 740, don't forget, don't forget there's that huge fin sticking up at the back. So mm. if the wind was strong enough to uh, impinge on that fin, it's a lot of force and mm. quite easy. That nose wheel has no brakes on it. So to shift it sideways uh, is really not that hard. Right. I, I'm pretty sure they would have left the main aircraft brakes on. But, um, you know, chocks are normally put fore and aft. So if you've got a lot of sideways force on the fin, the aircraft will weather cock, try and weather cock into wind. So that nose wheel will just slide uh, away from in between the chocks. And uh, there you go. Unless they chocked it, put four chocks in and put it like a square, there's a good chance they didn't. Uh, yeah, that's what will happen. Actually, Neil Lanwarn says in the chat room, uh, I remember him talking about this uh, when he's been on the show, but he was saying that the guppy, they've got that big super guppy oh, yeah, at uh, yeah, Bruntingthorpe, yeah. and he says it's been spun round several times Has it? by the, by the strong winds. And uh, that is quite a behemoth of an aircraft as well. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, bad case of, uh, of, of, of bad winds, hey, Nev? Uh, <laughs> Can happen. Yeah, yeah, you should have had this story when Captain Al was on last week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's your story, I think. Next, Nev. It is, and this is a story um, that was hardly reported at all in the press. But um, again, because it wasn't a passenger aircraft, but there's a lot more detail about it here, mm. and it's on the uh, AIN online website, and it's about the Atlas Air uh, aircraft, the 767 freighter that crashed on the 23rd of February on approach to Houston Intercontinental Airport, uh, which ended its steep descent into Trinity Bay after encountering turbulence, followed by nose-down elevated deflection, according to an update issued by the US uh, NTSB board on Tuesday. Uh, the report said data obtained from the aircraft's uh, flight data recorder and cockpit voice recorder indicate Houston Approach Control advised the crew of precipitation along their flight path as the aircraft descended normally through 12,000 feet MSL at a ground speed of 290 knots on the Link 1 arrival to the airport. Following an ATC inquiry, the pilots asked to divert to the west around the weather. The controller responded that they would need to descend to 3,000 feet expeditiously to accommodate their request. ATC then instructed the crew to turn to 270 degrees heading whilst descending through 8,500 feet MSL. Approximately one minute later, controllers told the pilot to expect a northerly turn to a right base for runway 26 left after clearing the weather, uh, which the pilots acknowledged with sounds good and okay, according to the NTSB. Uh, at around the same time, the flight data recorder recorded small vertical accelerations consistent with the aircraft entering turbulence. 
shortly thereafter as the aircraft flew between 6,200 uh, to 6,300 feet MSL. The engine increased to maximum thrust and the airplane pitched increased to about four degrees nose up and then rapidly pitched down to about 49 degrees in response to nose down elevated deflection, although the stick shaker did not activate. Uh, the aircraft then entered a steep descent along the 270 degree heading, reaching approximately 430 knots airspeed. Uh, the board added that based on flight data recorded data, the aircraft pitched up to an approximately to 20 degrees nose up attitude, attitude shortly before impact. Uh, the NTSB released no further communication from the flight crew and noted that it would issue a full transcript when the public docket opens. The flight crew appeared fully qualified and current in the Boeing 767, uh, the board added. A very sad incident there, but this is again an example of the NTSB coming out with some preliminary information mm. uh, as they have found it, um, and I'm sure. Right. Um, but it, it, it leads everyone to speculate why you would use the elevator to pitch the aircraft down to that degree, and that's gonna yeah. be a big question mark over. Uh, that we'll need to find out about when they uh, reveal more data. Mm. Is this an approach you've done yourself, uh, Nick, into no. Houston? No, 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 Houston, I don't no. know them, I'm afraid. No. no. So moving on to the next story, and um, Nick, this one is for you. Okay, sir. Uh, the business traveller, we value your privacy. Uh, I accept. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Actually, but, uh, before you, you move on with that uh, story, Nick, uh, lots of people in the chat room have been asking, uh, especially, um, where are we? I, I want to say, uh, was it Rich? Oh, sorry, I've done I've done terrible thing here. Anyway, they were asking in the chat room, uh, where the picture behind us on, on the green screen here, where, what is it a picture of? Because they obviously oh, yeah. they've clocked your logo in the bottom right-hand corner. But, oh, it, uh, where, it, where is it from? It, it's a volcano uh, that uh, exists uh, now. I'm trying to remember where it was. I think it was just to the west of the Caspian Sea uh, on the uh, on Eastern Europe. So, uh, yeah, uh, somewhere around there. And it was just uh, you know one of those fabulous things you I saw flying past as you do. And yeah. thought, yes. That's a, a nice rather picture. nice photo. That was Richard King, sorry, I, I found it. Is uh, Thanks for that. Anyway, do carry on, sir. <laughs> so American Airlines partners with Air Porter, uh, spelt wrong. Uh, well, I suppose it's spelled correct for them, but they haven't put any in it. <laughs> so uh, they've, uh, American Airlines have partnered with London-based City Luggage Check-in and Delivery Service, uh, Air Porter. Customers on any of the carrier's 20 daily flights from Heathrow to the US can now opt to have their luggage checked in from any London address. In addition, passengers flying with uh, American into Heathrow can have their luggage delivered to an address within London. Service mm -hmm. costs 30 quid for the first item and 10 pounds thereafter. Customers can book a one hour collection slot either at uh, a.com or airporter.com or through the uh, airport UK call center up to seven hours in advance of their flight from Heathrow to the US. So they, they uh, launched this with British Airways just over a year ago. So you never know, never might have used this and uh, is available to all BA customers flying from Gatwick and Heathrow. And have you had a go at this, Nev? 
No, I haven't actually. No, normally my, my chauffeur deals with all that, that kind of thing. Uh, but, uh... <laughs> I would have thought so, yeah. It's just that you drive uh, that little matchbox, so I would assume you wouldn't have a lot of room for luggage. <gasps> How rude. Uh, no, it's actually mm. not one of its uh, strongest, strongest points. <laughs> so a driver, when you've uh, ordered your bags to be picked up, a driver collects and then weighs the luggage, Way scans the passenger's passports, <laughs> and boarding passes and seals the luggage uh, in coded tamper-proof wow. cases customers so th this i guess is to uh, make sure that they no one puts anything nasty inside your luggage when it's out of your sight um, customers are sent out to bag receipts after airport screening around 90 minutes before takeoff uh, note that the service is uh, currently only available on flights from Heathrow to the US, not in the opposite direction. The group said that the service was developed in consultation with the CAA and the Transport Security Administration in the US to ensure all processes meet aviation security regulations. Airport has recently added a new benefit, allowing customers to pay for excess luggage on the doorstep through the driver's app. So it just seems like if you uh, are, you know, a bit short of, uh, perhaps you ride a motorcycle uh, and you want to carry big bags to the airport, uh, then this is probably an easy way to do it. Uh, I, I don't know. I haven't done a taxi journey uh, to the airport before. Do, do taxis charge uh, for baggage? If you put lots of bags in a taxi, do no, they yeah, charge I think they, If you, if you yeah, they, they charge... Um, a certain amount for you know for t for two bags or something but if you're taking more then they they tend to charge more i think yeah <laughs> yeah i'm just thinking you might might offset the cost of that using this service which seems to be a very convenient service because then you can just stroll up uh, do your automatic checking go straight to the lounge it would be quite nice I think uh, as, as it's uh, Mariana is saying in the chat room. Uh, does Mrs. Nev have to pack light, or or Nev? Do you just have to ship everything via cargo? <laughs> well, so, so, some of the assignments I've been doing recently, yes, I've, I think the car suspension ones. Is, what on earth is, is going on? Yes, uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and, that, and that's just a shop to Sainsbury's or Waitrose. Well, there yeah. is a, oh, Waitrose, darling. Waitrose, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. Waitrose. Love it. So but it sounds an in interesting one. My, my concern as an airline pilot is exactly what they say, is the security aspects. Mm. Um, who is actually going to be dealing with these bags? Is there any way for them to be fiddled Interfered with? Interfered with, uh, yes. Yeah, uh, between uh, when you hand them over. Uh, uh, because, uh, you know, we have enough trouble... Um, making sure that everyone who handles uh, aspects of the aircraft have security clearances uh, and are suitably checked by, uh, you know, the what's that system where they check to see whether you're a nasty criminal or not? Uh, CRB, um, oh, Disclosures and Barring Service. There you go. So uh, CRB checks up the yin-yang. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, they say that they've, they've had it checked by the CAA, so you can assume that they have. But, yeah. you know, it's, a, it's another link in the chain that might be broken. I don't know. And, of course, that there is no guarantee, um, you know, that, that just because you've passed a, a, a criminal record check doesn't necessarily mean that you aren't planning or have done something. You know, it's, it just means you haven't been caught. That's the long and the short of it. So it's just that's, that's very true. I mean, once you're in the airport and those bags go off on the uh, conveyor belt, there's very little manual interaction until they're loaded onto the bins and yeah. 
but on the aircraft. So, you know, it's all done by my machinery. So uh, this is going to be a slightly different system. There's, there's another element in there. But I'm sure that they've, they've ticked all the boxes. So, uh, you, know, mm. I'm, I, you know, I'm confident that they'll be safe. This is true. So the last story, a bit of a feel-good story, this one. I quite like this. So uh, this is on the simply or simpleflying.com website. And um, the headline is, 10-year-old starts an airline and receives a great reply from Qantas's CEO. Oh. So it's pretty uncommon for an airline CEO to give advice to another, especially a new startup airline trying to take on an industry juggernaut. But this situation just happened in Australia. A 10-year-old boy has launched an airline, Oceana Express, and has asked for some advice. Is, it, is this a bit like the company that started the ferries here in the yeah. UK but didn't actually have any? Well, he's asked us <laughs> for advice from the uh, CEO of Qantas, Alan Joyce, so he says here that uh, Alex Jack, Jacku, the 10-year-old from Australia, has decided to start up his own airline. Uh, he's successfully filled in all roles, such as vice CEO, held by his best friend, and others such as head of legal, IT support, and more. Not only this, but he also has decided what aircraft he'll be using and figured out how to cater to all the passengers. He then decided to write a letter to his competitor, the CEO of Qantas, Alan Joyce. If you or I were to write a letter to an airline CEO, we would not expect a quick reply or perhaps no reply at all. However, this was not the case for this lucky young lad. Uh, he, uh, Joyce explained that uh, he normally doesn't provide competitors with advice. However, this time he made an exception, as he remembers also being a young boy who was curious about flight and all its possibilities. So in the letter that uh, Alex penned to uh, Qantas' CEO, he asked a few questions, one of which was, uh, do you have any tips on starting an airline? I'd be grateful to know what you have to say. Something else he also asked was that he's thinking about, uh, as uh, you're about to uh, uh, put the A350 for the Sydney-Melbourne to London flight, seeing as it's a 25-hour flight, we are having a lot of trouble thinking about sleep. Do you have any advice? So he got this uh, reply from uh, Alan Joyce, and he says, uh, Joyce says, regarding the first question, uh, he always suggested that uh, he places safety in front and centre in his airline, saying that passengers need to know they are safe and getting to their destinations is our top priority, he says. Uh, for the second question regarding sleep on the long journey uh, between Sydney and London, Mr Joyce mentions that they are looking for different cabin designs to make the journey comfortable as possible. Mr Joyce closed off the letter by inviting young Alex to meet him to Ooh. discuss options such as the <laughs> A350 or 777X for Project Sunrise. This is the code name for Qantas's mega flight plan to connect Australia's East Coast to London Direct. He offered the young entrepreneur a tour of Qantas's command centre too as part of the proposed meeting. Overall, it's great to see a company take time to respond to a fan letter and actually put some effort in. We wish all the best of luck to Alex and Oceana Express and request to be the first to conduct a flight review. Oh, this is quite nice. I mean, you know, it's a really nice thing you know, to do. Isn't kids it? these days, they, you know, they. One, it's, it's nice to find interest. one not on a PlayStation. Yeah, exactly. I've got to be honest. <laughs> and obviously, this this kid's got you know he's got great um, you know he's got a bit of a business head on his shoulders. Quite right. Well, he's obviously decided you know that uh, you know aviation is the way forward. Yeah, and I think you know for uh, obviously for CEO yeah. Alan Joyce to respond to him, I think it's um, it's nice. Come on then, I'm going to throw this out to Nev now. What would your piece of advice be to this young lad <laughs> who's uh, going to be starting Contact his DM. own airline? 
I'd, I'd stop off in Singapore on the way back. Uh, the, the prospect of uh, those very long flights, um, it doesn't fill me with a lot of... Uh, right, okay. One of my uh, work colleagues actually went on the non-stop Perth to, to oh London. wow yeah right. so, uh, that's western australia to how to did London. you find it and that's uh that's 18 and a half hours he said for the first you know 14 hours it was okay but it was just the last four hours it was just just a, a, a killer um, yeah and, and that was in the business class bit obviously so oh wow okay um, so these ultra long flights are going to be very interesting mm. and I'm interested to see how popular they're going to be because a lot of people do quite like to have a stopover yeah. um, to explore, you know, Singapore or Hong Kong. I, I've known some people to have Dubai a three-day sort of layover, yeah. you know, where they, yeah. just, just to break it up and make more of a thing about the fact that they're going away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, uh, no, yeah, great, those uh, stopovers can often include very good hotel deals, can't they? Because, uh, you know, mm. you can get a brilliant uh, price for a hotel for a few days uh, if you decide to stop over but uh, on the other hand if you've got to get from a to b as quickly as you can so you can be there to attend a wedding or something then uh, i guess it's a good option yeah do you think you, uh, nev do you, do you think you could handle an 18 hour because it could be sitting in seat 1a yes but it's the thing is that i remember when i went to australia for the um what was I doing? Oh, that's right. I was uh, went to the Melbourne Grand Prix. At, uh, oh, as you do. In, <laughs> as you do in 2003. Well, and before that, I was, yeah. working at, I was working at the Singapore Air Show for oh, 10 okay. days doing uh, AV and sound and that kind of stuff. So I was in Singapore for about three days or four days before I took the, the next hop to Melbourne. And it always amazes me that, you know, the distances involved there. And you're looking at the moving map display as you sit in the economy class section of the triple seven on Singapore <laughs> yeah. and uh, you, you see the shape of Australia just coming into view and go, Oh, we're nearly there. Yeah. No, we've got another five hours to go. At this yes, point. Because Australia so, is so vast. Yeah. This is the thing. It isn't it? Is. Yeah. Um, but of course, I think there will be an appetite for some people that do want to do uh, these, these legs in one hit. So um, mm. now, we'll have to see. And of course, it's all about the um, the load factor for the aircraft as well. Yeah, right? so this think. is true. Nick, obviously, you're reaching the end of uh, uh, your time. I mean, how, how would you feel about um, sort of being one of the many pilots? I dare say there's several crews involved on, on, on a journey of that length. How would you feel um, about doing it? The, yeah, they'll have they'll have a, a standby crew to give them a break during the flight. Um, and uh, I've done flights nearly as long uh, wow. in the early days of uh, coming back from Hong Kong. So I think uh, 16 and a half hours was probably one of the longest I did. So uh, yeah, it, it is doable, and you you know you just get on with it. And um, yeah, it, it's not, I, I didn't find it a big deal. But then again, we have a a, a lie down. A rest facility yeah and you can get six hours sleep in the middle of the flight and then go back onto the flight deck so no, it's, it's far from impossible and uh, uh, you know ultra long haul has been around for quite a while so it's you know it, it's doable uh, it's not quite as pleasant as you might think but then again when you're doing a shorter flight without any relief uh, pilots then that can almost be uh, as painful good point 
point. I think just uh, the problem is for the great unwashed down the bank, uh, <laughs> it, it's going to be a bit of a nightmare. And, you know, unless there's a light load and you can spread yourselves around, if you're in the middle of a row of four mm. and you want to get up and stretch your legs every now and again and everyone else around you is kipping, uh, you know, it just mm. becomes a nightmare. Yeah. True. This is true. Yes, in muggle class, it, it's perhaps uh, not quite so desirable. But as you say, some people yep. just need to do it, don't they? Anyway, we are rapidly running out of time. Yeah, so, we so that's <laughs> where we bring the commercial news segment to a close this week. And uh, coming up next, for those of you who uh, are regular listeners to the show, will uh, obviously recognise that uh, we are missing our fellow co-host Armando mm. this uh, this week because he's busy celebrating his retirement. Uh, but uh, in the meantime, Armando has put together a really, really great little segment for the show this week. And uh, those of you who follow Armando on Instagram might know that he's been doing a bit of aerobatic flying. So he's been, uh, join or been joined by the guys at the British Aerobatic Society and uh, they're going to have a chat with him right now. Hey guys, uh, so over the past couple months I've been doing some aerobatics uh, in introduction training where a couple episodes ago I was um, explaining how I have a new appreciation for the physiology of aerobatics um, and the human body in flight. Uh, I've actually been doing that with the British Aerobatics Academy and I'm here with Adrian and Alex who are primary instructors at the British Aerobatics Academy. So. Adrian, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Hi, Amanda. Um, well, I, I started gliding when I was about eight. My, oh, my, wow. my, my dad was a, a test pilot, and I used to go flying with him in his Canberra and test aircraft. Um, took up gliding at weekends, which is really fantastic, in, in Germany. Um, and then I, I went to join the Air Force, and they said, Oh, Adrian, at the age of 17, you haven't got a degree, so you, 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 you're stuffed. And not wishing to stay in school any longer, I joined the army. I joined the parachute <laughs> regiment in the army, so I was jumping out of aeroplanes. Um, I then joined the Army Air Corps flying gazelle helicopters, and I, oh, thought, wow. I thought, this is going to be good fun. Yeah. Um, but I'd rather fly something bigger. So I then offended everybody by leaving the, the parachute regiment and transferring <laughs> to the Air Force. Um, I actually had a bit of paper saying that I wasn't allowed to... Uh, talk to troops again in case I infect them with my treachery. Oh, uh, no. Anyway, I, went, I went, went to the Air Force um, and I flew a variety of aircraft, principally uh, Canberra. And then I left the Air Force and, and ran an IT company. And I, I gave my wife um, a, a, a voucher to fly in, the, in, the, uh, in a Cessna uh, as, for her birthday. And, they, and the, the instructor said, Oh, well, um, we'll take a four seater. Do you want to sit in the back? I'd, I'd had a PPL at this stage for about 15 years, um, but I'd, I hadn't got the money to fly. And I suddenly realized that, hey, look, I've now got the money to afford flying. Uh, so she got a, a one-hour flight in, in, a, in a Cessna, and I, I went out the next day and bought a little Piper Tomahawk oh, wow. <laughs> as a business, old, business tool. Yeah, of course, um, the old Tomahawk. <laughs> which was good fun. And you know, after a few months, it became obvious that this really wasn't quite um, the kit that I wanted. Um, so I bought a, a Yak 18T with a 400 horsepower uh, engine, which, which was kind of semi-aerobatic. Um, and again, I, I took my wife flying, and and she didn't like the aerobatics uh, at all. Um, so I thought, well, there's not a lot of point in in keeping the Yak if she doesn't like it. So I sold it and bought a, uh, a Sukhoi 29 because I thought that she's obviously not going to come. I might, might as well yeah. fill my boots. And and, uh, <laughs> and and I started competition aerobatics, and I and I enjoyed that. Um, 
And, and at this stage, I, I thought, well, you know, I really would enjoy teaching aerobatics rather than um, running an IT company. <laughs> so to cut a long story short, I, I, I sold the, the Sukhoi because in those days you weren't allowed to teach on yeah. foreign registered aircraft. And I bought the extra um, and, and worked part-time as a, as a flying instructor. Uh, and then eventually I... I, I um, uh, I decided to do it full time, and now I think we're the, the busiest uh, aerobatic school in Europe. Yeah, I don't doubt um, it. And we, we do about a, a thousand hours a year of, of aerobatics, um, and we've had a lot of success. Um, one of our success stories, of course, is, is Alex here, who is British champion, um, and, and now is, is one of our instructors, yeah. and, we, and we have a you know, really splendid time. So, Alex, that is a great segue. What, what do you do here at the British Aerobatic Academy? Uh, as everything else, it's not that easy and pretty straightforward. Uh, started flying at the age of 17 from gliders. And later on, uh, started flying pilot aircraft in 2008. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, I decided I really love flying, so uh, I would love to bump my life to, to, to make money for a living with that. So I've uh, done the studies at the Polish Air Force Academy in Dublin. And after completing all the courses in 2016, I came to UK dreaming about flying any any money for it so I was running my gardening business and uh, at the end of 2016 I've met Adrian tried aerobatics and got bitten by a bug (laughs) got fully addicted Mm. from aerobatics (laughs) and uh, after a good two years of flying I found myself here helping Adrian uh, teaching aerobatics and uh, looking after the aircrafts and that's always a huge step the first day that you get paid to fly instead of yeah, that's outstanding to fly, feeling, right? yeah, uncomparable to nothing else. Uh, that's, you know, finally I find myself on the the other side of the curve when I'm not paying for flying, I'm being paid yeah. for flying. So what's your what's your ultimate goal in aviation? It's hard to define because uh, I think I just made my dreams come true thanks to Asian yeah. uh, to find myself here. Uh, normally I would have to do a couple of years of commercial flying probably before I would be able of affording such a thing. But because uh, I was running my own business, which was pretty successful, I, I could afford that. And uh, yeah. later on, Adrian reached his hand to me and helped me a little bit. So uh, it wasn't easy, but it's doable. If someone really wants to do aerobatics and uh, make it for a living, it's not yeah. a big money maybe in this industry, but it's always a nice way of earning it. Yeah, and, I, and I, we've, we've had a lot of stories about that. People that have full careers and they, they could choose a different path. But once you do something in aviation and you're getting paid for it, sometimes the pay is not the best. But you do it because you love it, right? Exactly. So my ultimate goal in aviation is not fully written. Uh, I'm thinking about joining the airline club at some point uh, just because of making a better material status. (laughs) Then uh, that'll be it because most of the fun I think in aviation for myself personally, I think it's in within aerobatics. Yeah, and I'll agree. I I absolutely got the bug. So I had a buddy over at RAF Mildenhall that gave me Adrian's number and... um, I flew one flight in this airplane with Adrian, and I absolutely said, yes, I will, I will eat uh, butter sandwiches and ramen noodles just to get an hour of flight time in the extra. And, uh, and then I think we've been flying for about six months now yeah. um, trying to get that aerobatics certification. So, so tell us a little bit about aerobatics as a whole. Why do, why do people do aerobatics? And you mentioned competition aerobatics, too. Yes, well, there's various avenues. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to actually follow both the main avenues, namely display flying. I had a, um, a two-ship 
uh, of a display team. In fact, it was really a three-ship because the third ship was a 757, uh, which we formated on a, <laughs> the Bahrain Airshow, which is, is quite nice. Um, uh, there's Airshow aerobatics and also competition aerobatics. And also, I suppose, upset recovery training yeah. is, is quite a big deal these days for uh, airline pilots who, who are in the habit of just turning on the autopilot, not getting any, um, any stick time themselves. Yeah. And, of course, they lose the common touch. Um, and there's been quite a few accidents recently. Uh, in fact, historically, there have been quite a few accidents where people haven't been able to recognize um, what to a, a sick and rudder person would be fairly basic stuff. So these days, all airline pilots have some yeah. upset recovery training, and it's going to be mandated where they get more and more, and we're going to be following that up. Um, but competition aerobatics, I mean, both Alex and myself are aiming to do the World Championships this year. Um, uh, Alex will be, do, be flying for Poland, obviously my, myself will be flying for Great Britain. Um, at domestic level, we run about uh, eight uh, competitions at each level oh, wow. in, in the UK. Uh, the British Aerobatic Association runs them. Um, we provide, uh, I guess, about half of the competitors at the lower levels, so these sportsmen and yeah. intermediate, um, and obviously later that will be filtered up to, to, to um, uh, the higher levels. It's, it's, a, it's a compelling sport, actually. Um, the, the, the idea is, is to, to fly a sequence without any significant faults, perfectly positioned in front of the judges and the judges mark each figure and each sequence out of ten and, and the, the, the winner uh, goes home with a, with a medal and a cup and, and, and a pat on the back and, and quite a hefty bill as well yeah. um, it's, it, people say that it's, it's the only sport in the world where you pay a fortune to get, to get told how bad you are by your friends <laughs> um, but it's, it is addictive yeah. and of course it's, it's, it's striving to be the best that's, that's the challenge. If it was easy, there'd be no point doing it. Um, Airshow aerobatics, um, you really need a competition background to do it yeah. because you're flying at a much lower level. Uh, so you need to uh, fly well within your, cap your capabilities to succeed in, in putting on a good show in a safe and orderly manner without uh, infringing the crowd line. Yeah. I think the key thing also uh, is that you don't need to be a real expert to start competition flying. You know, basically, somebody can come here, um, spend three or four days here, and then go and do the club, uh, club levels competition yeah. and win. We've had lots and lots of our students win competitions, having just spent a few days with us. Yeah. And of course, the more you do, the higher up the ranking, uh, the, 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 the more difficult the class you, you compete in. So yeah. it's good. I would recommend it to everybody. And I know that was my original goal, too, when we first started. It's just winter happened. And uh, I said, well, maybe before I leave the U.K., uh, I will get one competition in and just not embarrass myself, right? <laughs> <laughs> now, now, you guys have chosen the extra, and this is an extra 200, correct? That's right, yes. Right. So what, why did you go with the extra 200? Well, the extra is probably the finest um, aerobatic aircraft around. Um, at the moment, um, I say at the moment because we're, we're, we're getting a new aircraft called the Genpro, which is a, a, a step ahead of the extras, mm -hmm. but that's a single-seater, so not fantastic for training. Um, but the extras is, is, is very good. It's a very simple aircraft, amazingly strong, um, and also affordable. This particular, uh, the 200, has a 200-horsepower engine, uh, which means that uh, the running costs are substantially lower than the mm -hmm. bigger engine aircraft. So it's, it's affordable, uh, robust, and basically the best training aircraft, best aerobatic training aircraft in the world. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've had a great time flying this aircraft. 
Um, actually, I've flown both of these extras, and um, they're, it's, they're really just an amazing airplane. And, and I, I've never been in anything so maneuverable in, in my life. I guess, what is your primary clientele? Who, are, who do you see most coming through? Um, we have a very, very wide variety of uh, people coming to us from all over the world actually about half of the customers are from the UK uh, and the other half are from right across the world from Australia China Hong Kong Japan um, is very wide and also the the um, the aims of the people visiting us are wide as well a lot maybe 30 percent uh, come to us because they've never done any aerobatics before and want a, a gentle introduction. Yeah. And of course, they get a very gentle introduction, very gentle, after a couple of, <laughs> a couple of flights, term, yeah. <laughs> a couple of flights, and then they want more and more and more. And before before they know it, they're, they're competing at uh, at world level. Yeah. <laughs> so, and also, people come here uh, with the dream of going to the Red Bull Air Race. It, to most people, it is simply a dream. But we have had uh, three or four people uh, succeed in getting there. Um, <laughs> so now, do you do you have to be a certificated pilot to go for a ride, or no. if you wanted? No, no, you don't. Um, we 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 do joy rides for people. Quite often, wives, girlfriends, or sometimes both, buy their <laughs> uh, buy, buy their partner a, a voucher yeah. just as a, as a taster. And not not realising what what is going to yeah. cost them because it's, of course they're going to get addicted to it. But but um, no, we have, we have people um, without PPLs. In fact, I have two students at the moment, um, fourteen years old. Oh wow! Uh, and it's it's fantastic because they they learn at such a fast rate compared to uh, people in their twenties. Yeah. Um, and th- and I've no doubt at all that they will end up very high in the world rankings. Yeah. And of course they won't get a, a PPL amazing. for several years. I know with the Civil Air Patrol, I, I fly a lot with uh, with kids from age sort of 12 to 18, and it is amazing the, the the way they adapt to technology and they adapt to complex topics such you know as is required to fly an airplane. Um, I've been incredibly amazed, and I feel like every every kid out there is better than I was at, at that age, right? Um, so if somebody wanted to get a hold of, of British Aerobatic Academy, what's the best way to do that? Really, to go to the website, britishaerobaticacademy.com, and the contact details are on there. Send us a message, send us an email, telephone, and, and we'll be delighted to look after them. That's it. And now, we always end every interview with one question, and I'm going to ask each one of you. If you could fly any airplane in the world, current, past, future, and money is no object, what airplane would that be? I think an SR-71. SR-71. Alex? Ooh, that was a good choice. <laughs> Left me with a tough one, so I think I will go for MiG-29. Oh, that's awesome. Great choices, guys. Well, listen, uh, anybody that's interested, go to the website, check them out. Adrian and Alex are both uh, incredibly friendly. I've had a great time flying here as I sort of transition back to the U.S., and I highly recommend them. Uh, it's just an amazing experience, and it'll really sort of put you through mental and physical challenges, but it, I don't think there's anything more rewarding in aviation than, than getting that routine correctly, right? So anyway, thanks, guys, and uh, I'll pass it back to you. Cheers, guys. It was quite funny, actually. Carlos was saying to me, like, would you fancy having a go at that? And of which the reply, well, I, I, I didn't, I didn't uh, say words, shocked. did I? I just looked at him and went, yeah. <laughs> no, that's the short answer. I, I cannot think, I think of we, anything we, worse. We were all watching the video there, um, and before we got, but just a quick ma- massive thanks to Armando for putting that together. Yep, that absolutely. was absolutely sterling yep. work, as always. Yep. 
Um, but we were watching the video there of uh, some of the, the roles that they were doing in the uh, in the aircraft. And um, Matt, I think Matt was looking quite ill. Yeah, just, just throughout most video. of it, sick bag would definitely be, as, as a couple of people have said in the chat room there, uh, sick bags would very Yeah, much Chris be. Griggs said that he'd need a sick bag yeah, and an extra. Uh, yeah. Nico Riga said that yep. he once flew in an extra 300L. Mm. Stunning role. Uh, the roll rate is incredible. Uh, Richard King has said that he's he's uh, he's got an extra three 330L. Yeah. Indeed. Um, oh, has he? But yes, that's basically our, our military segment for this week. So thank you to Armando for yeah. putting that very special piece together of us because he knew he wasn't going to be here this week. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for that. Uh, hopefully uh, he will be joining us next, next week. week as yeah. normal for our usual military segment. Nick, is that any? Is that something you'd like to try? A bit of uh, aerobatic flying, or uh, you kind of? Uh... Well, I, I've, I've turned around upside down, inside out enough times in my past. But um, quite honestly, unless I'm sitting there drinking champagne, going from A to B, if I'm in an airplane, that's exactly what I'd want to do. I, I can't see the point uh, of flying an airplane and not turning it upside down because uh, you know uh, it's so much fun. It's, it's great. <laughs> a great thing to do it's a great thing to be able to do and to enjoy nev would you like to have a have a try now oh no no i'm a straight okay. level <laughs> kind of chap yeah. i'm with you i'm with you on that one thank yeah. you yes can't think of None anything of this you... g-force business yeah oh. yeah absolutely and if you're on a commercial plane that's doing something like that then there are other things to be worrying about frankly yeah, right? yeah i think yeah. so yeah. like you know how well, on earth well, are you going to hang on to the champers tex uh, was it was it tex johnson nick that done the barrel roll in the 707 uh, his name was Tex. I'm can't Tex. remember his um, surname now. Yeah. Uh, yes, he did. He barrel rolled it. Uh, it wasn't actually a 707. It was the Precursor 2, ah. which had a slightly different name, but it was basically the same airplane. Indeed. Uh, and he barrel rolled it uh, against the advice of his boss. Um, Tex but, Johnson. Uh, yeah, yeah, Tex Johnson. Yeah, the, uh, man, Tex uh, but he did it over a crowd of like quarter of a million people who were there for, you know, and uh, yeah, and there are p plenty of pictures and it, it did generate a huge amount of interest and I'm sure it uh, convinced a lot of airlines that this was the airplane they needed to fly. <laughs> Yeah, apparently it was the Dash 8, uh, Micah is saying. Um, yeah, well done, Micah. Yeah, yeah thank you. I just couldn't quite bring that to mind. Yeah. No, indeed. Uh, that uh, was the version they turned into the KC-135, I think. Everyone oh, thinks wow. it was a 707. I mean, they're, they're incredibly similar, mm. but I think it was the Dash 8 that the military... Yeah. Uh, Nev, uh, Auntie Liz is with you actually on that one. You agree with Nev, not for me. I don't like roller coasters either. Uh, <laughs> Although she has been for a drive in uh, Nick's car as a passenger, and I think uh, uh, you know, that was the equivalent of some uh, <gasps> aerobatics. So, so really? Oh, we had the roof down. It was, uh, it was just start and stop, you know, usual sort of stuff. And if you don't look at the speedo, then uh, you uh, would right, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, okay. That's I'm, fine. I'm not. I'm not sure how that would stand up in a court of law, but anyway, there was always <laughs> So moving on swiftly to the uh, last segment we've got for the show, we're going to hand things over to Nev to introduce this next one, as he played a big part in this. Yes, it was great actually. Last week, uh, Pip and I were at uh, Heathrow. 
at the base of the the real control tower and there they have a uh, digital tower lab so this is a series of very very high resolution so it's ultra hd resolution screens which as you'll see actually uh, is a full mock-up because it's got all the uh, all the 4k cameras uh, for it as well of the views across the north and south runway at Heathrow um, this is part two of the uh, film that we did there and uh, in this part uh, Pip is talking to Andy Taylor of Nats all about uh, artificial intelligence and augmented reality you mentioned earlier on the artificial intelligence yeah. aspect of that. Perhaps you can just expand on that. I mean, mm -hmm. what, what, what's it giving the controller? What's, how is it learning? What's it learning? Okay. And how is that enhancing the, the capabilities of the controller? Yeah. Well, going back to what it's actually there for, uh, and if I switch the video wall just back to the uh, northern runway, um, because this is where we're testing it at the moment, um, you can see that this video image is, is um, in fact, from the control tower um, and looking outwards. Uh, but we also have uh, a distributed set of cameras that are out on the airfield and in fact just behind the Alitalia uh, on the grass area uh, there are two cameras, one looks west uh, and one looks east uh, and they stare at the runway exits. Mm -hmm. um, that is 24 hour surveillance, uh, day and night, optical surveillance, it's, uh, it's, it's not using uh, infrared or anything, it's, they're, they're optical 4K cameras uh, that work very well in low light night conditions. Uh, and it's watching uh, the runway exit area. Now what the AI is basically doing is taking that video data and we're teaching it to recognize aircraft. Um, that might seem uh, like a, a very simple task, but uh, you know, it is artificial intelligence. Uh, it has to learn what an aircraft looks <coughs> like um, and what, uh, for example, a, uh, you know, a vehicle looks like or a, a digger, you know, whatever it may be. Um, it also has to learn those, what those aircraft look like as they turn, because mm -hmm. clearly looking at an aircraft side on to uh, a nose on kind of view, again, is something that the, the AI has to uh, learn. And likewise, two aircraft can look very different because of their paint schemes. Um, and so initially the model is being trained on recognizing the aircraft. As soon as it recognizes all of the aircraft, it's then uh, looking to track the aircraft as it vacates the runway, always looking for the trailing edge of it, mm -hmm. because that's what's important to the runway controller. So as I'm watching that British Airways Airbus 319 vacate, the important thing for the controller is when does its tail clear the runway strip so that the next aircraft can land. Yes. Um, so the AI is monitoring it, clearing uh, the runway edge, and then clearing the runway strip. We give two indications to the controller of those two separate events. Um, rather than showing them video. The point of that being there are 34 entry exit points or thereabouts at Heathrow. So Amy, the AI, can take te uh, camera data covering all of those exits and simultaneously monitor those. That's something a controller cannot do. Yeah. No human can look at 34 different places sure. at the same time, particularly when you're looking at run runways that are nearly four kilometers long. So. Um, Amy is able to do that and is able to give an instant um, indication to the controller. 25 times per second updated rate with an accuracy down to a pixel rather than radar data which is at one second update and, um, uh, and basically uh, with a, a, a rough surface movement radar target that's shown on the display. So Amy always sees the aircraft and always sees them to that level. 
when the tower is in cloud, we don't have this view, but Amy still has mm -hmm. the view from the runway cameras and is able to process and give the indications to the controller. So that's basically what we're testing to make sure that Amy is performing uh, suitably so that every aircraft is, uh, is spotted uh, and identified correctly, that every tail is spotted, triggers those two events and accurately triggers those. Um, and then once we have that level of assurance, that enables us to deploy yeah. into the operation. Okay, so that's a real safety enhancement, um, helping to prevent runway incursions. But does that, does. I'm curious, do those cameras have a, a lowest sort of operational regime? Let's say if the, the weather was 50 meters mm -hmm. in fog, can the cameras still work in that kind of conditions? Well, at the moment, we're testing them for tower and clouds. That's when uh, the, the tower itself, is uh, the view is obscured. But below that, we're operating normal category one uh, normal operations. Yep. The aircraft, aircraft uh, pilots can see to land, they can see to vacate and taxi around. Um, so the cameras will absolutely see in all those circumstances. I did mention though that the, the system is, um, is working 24-7. So when we have low visibility days, uh, what we're able to do is see how the system performs in that LVP fog mm -hmm. condition. So what I will actually get as a, an ongoing uh, validation is down to what level of uh, a fog we could actually use these in. So potentially what's actually there to reduce the towering cloud 30% uh, arrival rate uh, restriction and the ongoing delays that that causes after it occurs um, perhaps one morning uh, and in fact that that occurs probably about 15 times a year um, so we could move potentially from that to then adding in uses in low vis procedures as mm -hmm. well so the, there are benefits enough in just removing the tower and cloud restrictions but if I can then prove the uh, low visibility ones as in runway visual range low visibility then that gives me additional benefits excellent well, thank you very much for your time. I think that was uh, very interesting and very enlightening. Thank You're you. Welcome. Thank you. It wow. was. I'd, I'd love to have that at home. What, what all those screens? Yeah. On the wall? yeah <laughs> well, with that view, obviously. Oh, right. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I could think of more I exciting views. Your, <laughs> I thought you got your CCTV, Carlos. Isn't that good enough? Very simple. Yeah, right? but it, yeah. It, it, I mean, I could point the camera in, into the sky, I suppose, but it's um, not quite the same as having hasn't the same got, view. It hasn't quite, the, got, quite got the 4K um, mm. you know, resolution, has it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think having a wraparound view of a beach and uh, Saint-Tropez might be nice. Mm. Right. I don't know if you'll get that one past Gemma, though. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what it's you, just what? your man cave. Oh, well, yeah, 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 yeah. That, that would go down even worse, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What, what do you think of that, Nick? Uh, you've obviously, um, you've seen that, what... Uh, is, well, I'm a great impressed? fan of that kind of technology because it augments uh, what you would normally see with your own eyes. So mm. uh, either you give the guys VR headsets, which I actually think is another... Uh, Alter reasonable alternative once they, that gets good enough but being able to overlay call signs uh, being That's able cool, to yeah. mm. in inverted commas see through fog uh, have infrared views at night all of that is such a boon uh, compared with Mark the Mark 1 eyeball uh, I think it's uh, absolutely brilliant and all you've got to do is make sure that it is uh, um, safe enough uh, against failure uh, to be able to provide a service, lots of backups, lots of backup power supplies, lots of backup screens, et cetera, et cetera, um, then I think, I think it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's, um, I'm surprised Nev could concentrate whilst he was filming that, actually. 
Yeah. <laughs> I was drinking my coffee whilst all that was going on. Oh, right. <laughs> well, there we are, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah say, though, very, Matt, very good uh, photography, by the way. I was impressed. Oh, thank you. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, and that's a, a very accommodating at the moment as well. So it's been very nice to be able to work with them. And uh, we've got some uh, more content coming up through the year, I would say, as well. Uh, but uh, more info later on about that. How, how was their cable management, Nev? Well, actually, I was, I'm going to give that a bold eight and a half out of ten, which by my oh, standards that's, is, that's, you know, that's it's, praise indeed. It's yeah. pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. 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 It's um, it, it, a bit fascinating, although I have to say to, I'm with Tony a little bit on this. While, whilst uh, the technology is very impressive and I'm sure they've thought of everything, there is a small part of me that that hopes that uh, jobs aren't going to be lost off yeah, the true. back of this yeah. because uh, sometimes there is no... Um, I, I don't think there is any compensation for, uh, you know, having an experienced controller there overseeing a human, operations. A human, Absolutely. yes. Well, you're still going to have to have a bloke to look at the screens, aren't you? So they're going to need to have controllers doing the assessments, etc., and and actually doing the controlling. Instead of looking out a window, though, he's got a much better system to use. I, I guess I'm just I'm just worried that this is a precursor to uh, sort of you know you know a controller operating more than one tower i mean I, I get that it would be handy in an emergency or something like that where for whatever reason you were unable to communicate with a tower um i i don't know i guess i guess i'm just a bit i'm, I'm being unnecessarily cautious perhaps. well just look at it this way there's going to be a room for a lot more technicians so i yeah. can keep all that it and cameras and everything up and running and oh, yes. uh, you'll find that that a controller can't simultaneously, mm. unless they're extremely quiet airfields, uh, work more than one tower at a time. Uh, certainly not somewhere like Heathrow. No. So it's going to be any worry there. That's true. That's true. You've had a picture sent to you, haven't you? Mike? I have. Yes. Uh, going from back. A listener. Yeah, indeed. Going back. So this is from uh, Richard King. Going back oh, to one Richard. of the stories we were talking earlier. He just wanted to clarify that the extra he was talking about in the uh, in the chat room is his uh, radio controlled two point three meter wingspan fifty fifty cc radio controlled model extra. There we go. That's a very oh, impressive. Oh, piece, well, when it was a, you said it was a three thirty, I thought it was one of the three thirties I fly. <laughs> There we are. That's just, hence the uh, the need for clarification, perhaps. I've got so. nothing but respect for guys who can fly those. those yeah, remote control honestly, aircraft. Yeah. I have enough trouble with my drone, and it and it because, flies itself yeah. basically. So there's no. T <laughs> that is pretty good. Uh, it's, uh, they're not, they're not cheap either. I think they're great fun to fly when they're heading away from you. It's when they're coming towards you that yes. you need to be able to turn your brain around. Yes. And that's the hard bit. Instant haircut. <laughs> or buzz cut. <laughs> yeah. if, if you can get it anywhere near you, I suppose. Because as I say, left becomes right and right becomes left or whatever the correct... That's exactly the problem pilot. I would have. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So we are going to start to wrap up uh, episode 264 this yeah. week. And uh, <laughs> what, what now? It's all right. I don't know if I can get it to come up quickly enough. Hang on. There we go. Uh, th th uh, this is there, yeah. I did. This this is uh, uh, th this is uh, Nev's idea of extra. Apparently. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Uh, mine too. And actually, we'd, look, we'd, we'd like to thank Oxford Services. Yes. Uh, yes. For that it's an excellent looking breakfast today. right there. Yeah, I'm not too impressed with the coffee though. No, they they've not done so well there, but for twelve pound fifty, which is what it was, you know. Hmm. Well, extortionate, frankly. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it's not exactly a lorry driver's cafe, then. No, 
No, indeed. Yeah. 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 Greasy spoon. Yeah, good old greasy spoon. Anyway, it is nine o'clock. We need to start wrapping up, boys and girls. Yeah, so we're going to bring episode 260 to a close. going to say a big thanks to everyone who's joined us in the YouTube yeah. chat room this evening. busy old chat room. It's been room a busy, busy, yeah. busy, 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 busy yeah, chat room. You this have week. a good chat room, don't you? Yeah, yeah we, we do love the chat room. They, yeah, they do look after us. So thanks to yeah. all you guys who've joined us. And also, not forgetting as well, everyone who downloads the show yeah. as an audio podcast, thanks yeah. for downloading the show. And if you do download through iTunes, we do love a good review. So if you would yeah. like to give us a review, yeah, so if you would wouldn't mind that. lying, we'd be eternally yeah, grateful. Just lie. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll go in and change mine then. How's yes, that? yes <laughs> if you wouldn't mind, I'd, I'd be most grateful. Uh, I think one of the reasons why we have had such a busy chat room, of course, is because we have essentially Nick, yeah. had uh, yeah. royalty on the show, and it is the legend that is uh, Sir Captain of Nick. One day he will be a Sir Captain. You realise that? Sir Captain of yeah, Nick. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm just uh, very glad that my back has been playing up then because uh, right. <laughs> yes. I should be in uh, Washington right now oh right oh gosh oh well <laughs> well uh, their loss is our gain let, let's let's yeah that's that very so exactly right but uh, i i hope that uh, my drug induced uh, uh, verbiage hasn't uh, uh, been too uh, awful it's no worse than mine to be fair and i haven't i haven't <laughs> taken anything but at least you know what you're talking about nick that is the well, uh, massive advantage uh nev what have you got uh, in store this week Lots of driving this week. I'm, oh. I'm just everywhere at the moment. Uh, all points around the M25. Oh, would have been. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, lot, lots happening this week. But uh, looking forward to a bit of a quieter weekend. Hopefully, it was a bit hectic yeah. last weekend. I so, bet. Yeah. Uh, uh, you're just recovering, I presume, Nick. Are you? You're just sort of resting up, I guess. Well, uh, I'm expecting uh, to be off work for about two weeks, according to my oh. doctor. Uh, and then I've got to let all get all these drugs out my system. I have a Washington uh, later in the month uh, on the 28th, Ooh. and uh, then I'm uh, uh, I'm into my last but one month of flying. And I've only got two trips in April, yeah. and probably only two trips in May. So Ooh. it's all winding up very quickly. And, yeah. Okay. Uh, and you yeah. can't wait, bless you. <laughs> well, I'm I'm starting to look forward to Oshkosh and things like that. Well, it's yeah, that's true. Great. Yeah, absolutely. Carlos, what have you got in the uh, in the diary for next week? It's my last week at my at my current. Oh yes, because Carlos work, has changed place jobs. Everyone. Yes, I'm I'm working my last week, yeah. and then I shall be saying goodbye to all my friends um, and uh, starting. Uh, my new job on the 1st of April. Very good. Oh, <laughs> so yes. many jokes. Uh, what to do with oh, that? God, I <laughs> I'm trying to think. I'm not doing anything very exciting other than just sort of basic school. Oh, I've got a trip to Norwich. That'll oh, nice. Be, yeah, nice. Yeah, 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 absolutely. That'll be yeah. nice. Uh, possibly a trip to London on oh, Sunday. Nice. Possibly. Oh, we'll see. Uh, but uh, anyway, yeah, that, that, is my, uh, that is my itinerary. So, so don't uh, forget, check us out the website, www.plaintalkinguk.com. Uh, you can click on the links on there. That you can find the links if you want to become a Patreon to the show and help support us. Uh, we would love that. Uh, you can also find the link on there to our shop where you can buy one of our PTUK T-shirts with the embroidered logo uh, on print on the back as well and uh, get that delivered to you. You can find all the links on there to us. You can also click on there and find uh, the Get In Touch page where you can uh, click on there and send us an email through there as well. And you can also click on the About Us tab, which will give us will give you some lovely pictures of uh, the team that is PTUK. Although Pip's a bit of an aloof, he's uh, he's always. I don't know. He just appeared in a thing at the tower. <laughs> yeah, but I mean the pain safety <laughs> yeah. from, from the flight deck segments are. are uh, he's. Uh, I think he's very busy though at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Pip. Yeah, this um, is true. Yeah. Oh, just on an offshoot, just quickly, I did get a message from uh, Stuart. 
uh, we all know oh, Stuart. Yes, yes, yes Stuart O'Neill. Yeah. yeah. And today, and uh, obviously he um, has luckily he's got another job with another airline. Obviously, after his uh, airline uh, f- um, ceased to uh, operate exist. a few weeks or yeah. exist <laughs> yeah. a few weeks back, Stuart has got another job with another airline. He's he's uh, incredibly happy. But in the meantime, Stuart has um, today uh, he got a, a a quick job offer to go and collect an aircraft from Istanbul, as you do, and bring back to the UK and. Uh, Stuart uh, contacted me this afternoon just to let me know that on on the way back he was flying uh, Embraer 145 back from there and it hasn't quite got the legs to get back uh, in one hit right so they had to stop for fuel and they stopped at Luca Airport in Malta for oh, fuel. so he dear. sent he sent me the obligatory photo of, of him standing yes. on the on the apron at uh, at Luca Airport so uh, big yeah. thanks for that Stuart nice to see that he's keeping his hands well and truly in the air. What so was the weather like? It's nice and warm, Nick. It's warmer than it is, is it? here. Yes. Uh, in Malta. Very nice. Yes. Did you pick up some glass from Medina? No. Uh, <laughs> I, I doubt it. They've ripped that place apart. But anyway. Oh, dear. Oh, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's it then, guys and girls. We're going to say goodbye to you all. Have a great weekend, whatever you're doing in the world. Take care, and we'll see you all next week. So from me, Carlos, it's a goodbye. And from everyone else, it's time to say goodbye. Say goodbye, everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.